What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Outside Perspective. I'm your host, Adam Meredith. We have an awesome show. Before I get to my guests, though, a few housekeeping things. First, I want to say thank you for tuning in. If you're new, thank you, thank you, thank you. So stoked to have you here. I'm just sitting down with interesting people trying to gain some perspective. I hope you're able to as well. If you are a repeat listener, love you, love you, love you. So glad to have you back. I hope you actually told somebody and they're new for the first time because you told them. That's even better. Uh, Some housekeeping things. Again, if you're getting value out of the show, just bring us a friend. Bring us one friend. It helps the show grow. I can't do it without you guys, so thank you so much for doing that. Big thank you to our show sponsors, Strange Donuts. If you're in the St. Louis area, you have to check these guys out. If you like donuts, why would you not? Every month they have a special menu. Every weekend they're doing some sort of fun creation. They have four locations. They're in Maplewood. They're in Creefcore. They're in Kirkwood. And they're across the river in Edwardsville, Illinois. It doesn't matter which one you go to. They're all fire. Delicious. Oh, so good. Get a little donuts. Maybe get some coffee. Maybe get you some milk. It doesn't matter what you do. Either way, it's going to be good. Mama Mia, get you some donuts. Go check out Strange Donuts today. If you're in St. Louis, go check them out. Tell them that we sent you. When you do, you get nothing for free. But they know that we sent you in there anyway. So go check them out. Strange Donuts. We're also brought to you by Imposed Will. Go to imposedwill.com. Check us out. That's my little t-shirt company. Go check us out. Help us support. Come help me grow this thing. I'm doing rash guards and, and, and grappling shorts and hoodies and joggers and just all of the good shit. So go check us out. Imposedwill.com. If you want to support the show, you can also do that there as well. We have all of the show uh, uh, goods and apparel. You can get one of these awesome coffee mugs that you see on the show just by going to Imposed Will. Dot com. So go check us out today. My guest today, I'm sitting down with the homie Mike Lindner. This is a third time he's been on the show. It was really fun. We talked about a whole bunch of different things. Um, jiu-jitsu. I talked to jiu- with a lot of people about jiu-jitsu. That's not the main thing. It's actually one of the last things that we talk about. Um, just jujitsu and kept up with this beekeeping and and conspiracies boy did we go deep down the conspiracy hole this this conversation uh mostly conspiracy talk a lot of conspiracy talk actually so without any further rambling though let's get to the conversation let's gain some perspective with mike lindner With the one year one off, right? Yeah, it's only my third time here. You know, <laughs> you're an old vet on the show now, bro. I'm, I'm an OG. I know, dude. We've been trying to make this happen for probably six months now, four months at least. I think. I was gonna say, I think we started talking about it before Thanksgiving, right? I feel like that happened, and then I I know there was just a weird barrage of scheduling issues and there was one day i woke up and i'm like oh shit there's no way i'm gonna make this <laughs> it happens i'm like this, thank god adam's cool man because so, anybody else would be like fuck dude, this dude i'm so used to it dude i'm just like yeah whatever we can do it whenever it's all good i um because i you here's the thing i've learned after talking to people mm-hmm. who kind of they get excited and then they start doing podcasting and whenever i talk to people the thing that always gets them down the most um well, at least what surprised me was how they get really down because people will cancel on them or yeah. just the whole scheduling thing, how hard it can be to schedule people. Totally. 
that's just a part of it. I'm just like, yeah, dude, it's really hard. Yeah, it really is. I didn't realize. I just whenever I was I first started doing this thing, mm-hmm. and you run into the difficulty of scheduling. I was just like, oh fuck, man. <laughs> this is just maybe it's just me, but then I just accepted it as like this is just how it is. And honestly, it's just it's like that with anything. Even whenever I worked in the corporate space, it's really hard mm-hmm. to coordinate schedules. Always yeah. has been. So you can't take that shit personal. So not at all. I but, uh, I started working in digital media. Sales. Yeah, you're gonna have to adjust. That's not catching you. Oh, here we go. Yeah, there we go. You just uh, don't like hearing your voice. I think uh, now I'm kind of adjusting to it, where it's not a thing. It, it, it was almost like hearing a weird echo, mm-hmm. but now I'm I'm used to it. So okay. Um, but no, I started working in digital media sales back last actually god it's coming up on a year it's almost been yeah april i started at uh, this company called vivial and great company great experiences and it's basically me taking everything i love to do about coaching and applying it to how can i help you be found online yeah what pissed me off for the longest time though was the it was the whole thing of like you said with coordinating schedules like i have something that i know is going to help somebody and i have something that i know is going to like actually make an impact right Mm -hmm. why can't i get you to answer your phone and i'm like that you you asked for this meeting yeah why are you ghosting me that's the tough part of sales (laughs) and that's really what it is it's like in a way you have to sell the idea of these people coming onto a podcast and selling themselves and and what they have to present and what they have to offer right and so i often wonder if there's a little uh i well not often wonder it's just i guess i realize now more than ever would be the best way to word it how much people are kind of nervous about putting themselves out there in one place or another because when it comes to the business owners I talk to, I finally started getting very frank with them in the sense of, look, it, you don't have to do this. This is this is kind of like church. You could do this anywhere you want. You don't have to go with me. You don't have to go at all. But you got to do something. You got to mm-hmm. do something to get yourself out there because if you don't market, you're not going to make it. Right. And that's the bottom line. Yeah. So what are we doing here? Yeah. <laughs> Dang. So that's what you're doing now. You're helping people – Build their brands yep. and get exposure online? Yeah, it's actually been really nice. Uh, our company just got acquired by another software company called Thrive. And so in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to start learning all those programs that they offer. And there's just so much crossover between the two. I don't think it's going to be a big learning curve. But, I mean, there's always a curve somewhere. Yeah. Um, and then who knows? I might say, you know, after two, three weeks of this, yeah, screw this. I'm just going to go do jujitsu full time. I don't know. <laughs> I might go back to coaching. Who knows? Man, the online thing is uh... – it's a frustrating one for sure. It really is. Yeah, it it seems like it like the the benchmark is always moving yeah. and it's this elusive thing that you try to figure out but it's always evolving. How do you figure it out? My my favorite is when people talk about like, "Well, I tried advertising here, but Google and Facebook changed their algorithms." I'm like, "Dude, you can't even spell algorithm. What are you <laughs> What what are we, mm-hmm. why?" Yeah. Like you, you could go read up the algorithms and be like, okay, yeah, they change these little things that make minute changes down the road for you, mm-hmm. but you're not doing basic level stuff. Right. So, like, if you had that foundation, yes, we can talk about these things. You aren't even there. You're so talking about the details that don't even matter yet. Yes, you're 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 trying to tell me like why Picasso's paintings have an effect on the 20th century and these aspects of life, but you don't know primary colors. <laughs> that's really what it feels like some days that's I go, so yeah tell me more about this thing that you just found out about 10 minutes ago so how does one get more exposure uh well number of ways i will i will always venture to say at the end of the day if you want to get your name out there 
figure out how to get just to the number one place in Google for the areas you want to be searched in. Mm-hmm. It's the biggest sandbox. I mean, I could go on and on about this. It's, this is me saying like my just my idea from what I've seen other people doing. If you can get yourself, you know, hey, a uh, podcast in St. Louis or a podcast on um, – you know, fitness podcast on whatever the topic is or, or whatever you have those guests that really are people that you can put yourself out there on. Okay. Or whatever the content you're trying to present. Once you nail that down to something that you could search in a few words, try to get that up there. Or if you go the social route, just get a bunch of people to share your shit. <laughs> it's like, I, yeah. I hate saying it that way that there's a number of ways you can go about doing that. But if you can get people to just share yeah. That engagement somehow, some way, whether you're number one on Google and people are clicking on you daily, they're engaging that way. Classic word of mouth. Exactly. Cla- one way or another, word of mouth is going to happen. And mm. whether it's on your Google reviews or your Facebook page or your Insta or, or you know, people are streaming on Spotify, you got to get them to see and engage somehow. They have to buy in somehow with mm. either their time or their finance. And once you have that, then yeah, that's how you, it just it snowballs from there. Yeah. So you're saying that it helps to to like kind of whenever somebody's searching for whatever it is and if they're searching for the thing that's related to you Mm -hmm. you're trying to make sure that when they search that thing you Mm -hmm. come up yeah so like for example if i'm working with like contractors you know if if i got a guy who's a roofer or a siding specialist you know hail damage repair near me or siding repair near me things like that i want to make sure that i'm giving them the best shot they got Mm -hmm. to get further and further up those rankings until Hey, I'm not going to say getting number one or even on the first page is going to get you a job, but you're statistically more likely than the guys on page three to 12 or whatever is beyond that. Yeah. Because you get to a certain point where, you know, we all know, and I'm, I'm guilty of it too. Sometimes I very rarely will go to page two, three, four. Oh, Google. yeah. It's yeah, yeah. so like if I can't find it in the first couple searches, I'm like, I'm just not searching right. I got to figure out a better way to search. Better search. All right, I'll use these words instead. Ah, screw it. This is close enough. (laughs) (laughs) And I go that way. And I'm guilty, and I know how this stuff works. We all do that. Of course. Yeah, that's true. That is true. So how the hell did you get on page one? Uh, Just pay me a lot of money. Just pay you? (laughs) Just copious amounts of cash. (laughs) And then you do all the back-end work? Yeah, so the uh, the company does a lot of stuff with like the the SEO side where you know we're trying to relink you back on other websites, make sure phrases are are showing up higher and higher in the rankings so it's easier to be found. But... Yeah, I mean, after a while, it's I still come down to once you at least have that built up, and even if you don't, just you, you just got to have something that people want to engage with. Yeah. Um, I mean, you could have blue sunglasses, and if nobody gives a shit about blue sunglasses, you could be number one on Google and, and still not yeah. – you still go broke. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you focus on Google optimization? I do a lot of Google work, yeah. That's where I found – but again, most of the people I work with in the media side of things are contractors, service people – who, especially like in the Midwest, mm-hmm. you know, if if you have some kind of construction or some kind of contract service-based industry, yeah, trying to get you the best shake at getting jobs, either in paid searches, uh, like media buys, like I'm trying to get you in the Google ad section, something up there. Um, that's a really good way to do it just for like short-term, hey, let's just get the business rolling, get the phone rolling. But then after a while, it's like, now let's try to get like people to say, hey, I used Adam Services before. Let me give him a five-star review because he really knocked out of the park for me. Mm-hmm. Things like that. Then it's like now you have that engagement I was talking about. Once you can get that going, that helps a ton because those become your new uh, word of mouth. Yeah. You know, yeah, and yeah. people don't realize that, you know, oh, yeah, I had this guy. He, he has a great podcast. Damn, I can't think of the show, but I don't know. I'll text it to you. And then people forget about that. And yeah. then until you say, oh, wait, I found this because so-and-so told me about it. Well, what do they do? 
Let me go check this guy out here for a second. Yeah. So they Google, you know, outside perspective. Oh, okay, that's kind of interesting. Oh, my God, he had Dave Whitley on one time. Oh, my God, he had all these guys, you know. Mm-hmm. that's And now it's like that, that digital word of mouth is more prevalent than ever. Like, it spreads faster. You could share it quickly. Yeah. How many times do you do the whole click, share now, copy, paste, send? Yeah. You know, it's way faster than, hold on, let me call the guy. Or, yeah. <laughs> you know, let me see if I can text you a picture of his business card. <laughs> Unless you have, like, a whole photo album of that shit saved. It's just very cumbersome. Yeah, yeah. How long do you think it takes for for advertising to begin working? <sighs> depending on how you go about it, I would say you should really start to see some effect. And, again, depending on if you're just, like, buying, like, ad space or whatever, or if you're really trying to build up a long-term presence, um, if you're doing like the Google AdWords and stuff, you could probably see something in the first probably three months. Three months, yeah, usually um, ninety days. Yeah, I was gonna say ninety days. You should have a fair shake at it because the first month they're gonna be figuring out what's going on, like yeah. how are you being found, what's working. The second month they're taking that data from month one and they're fine tuning it. By month three, you normally have a good system coming in where you should be getting leads, referrals, calls, jobs, sales, yeah. to where you can start to say, all right, now we can kind of tweak and we, we've got the machine going the way we want it to. Yeah. If you go more long term play, I'd say six to twelve months. Like yeah. like SEO stuff. Yeah. You're four to six months you start seeing some words rank. Yeah. But then after that, like it just takes time. Yeah, everything just takes time, right? Yeah. Like there's no I mean, just like fitness, there's no magic pill. Right. I wish there was, but God, that would make my job easier. Wouldn't it? Well if you're <laughs> if you're in business, I mean advertising, you know, marketing, PR, whatever, you know, whatever you want to call it all. Um, it's just like an all the time thing. Mm-hmm. And Anytime you run a campaign, you got to run it for this. Is what I, from my understanding, was like ninety days minimum mm-hmm. to start seeing anything. I mean, yeah. that's just how long it takes for people to start kind of taking that step from interest into yeah. action. Usually, yeah. at least ninety days. And I would even see that in the fitness industry, right? I think I was I, just thinking the same thing. Think, that's so funny you said that, <laughs> right? People would watch trainers, or and they just they'd be curious for a few months, and then finally they'll make that outreach. I think it's hilarious too, where people uh, and you know, speaking of like media and sharing and, and how to get some some buzz and how to get engagement, it's really funny when you you see all the 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 really jacked and in shape fitness professionals and models and whatever on Instagram, and they might not even be great trainers, but damn, they look good for that like that one video where they're like, curl, pose, look, you know, <laughs> buy my shit. Right, and people buy their shit because they're like, "Hey, if I buy my shit, I'm gonna look like that guy." And right. people that actually do this for a living are like, "Dude, I have been trying to look like that guy for ten years." And there's a lot of shit you're not willing to do to get to that. Like th- that dude made a career of that, um, but at the same time, it's not like that dude did that in twelve weeks. He didn't do it in twenty four weeks. He probably didn't even do it in fifty two. Mm-hmm. He might have done it in one hundred and four. Yeah, I mean, when, you know, when you're seeing people who are have gone down that path of fitness. Mm-hmm. They're usually that person who's, well, one, they're usually supplementing with something. Sure. But outside of that even, they, they're they kind of living that life for a long time. Yes. You know what I mean? So the person who's just starting today mm-hmm. and you don't have that all that history, you know what I'm saying? Like you don't have all that learned behavior from your muscles. Like your muscles yeah. don't know how to react or respond or do it. Like you don't have those, those, those pathways. Correct. From, from your brain to your muscles to, to use them correctly. Right. You're starting in a different place. It's going to take you a while to look like that. And again, I'll go back to it. You're probably going to take about three months to see results. I mean, I made a name out in this area um, going back as, God, was it 2014? I went over to Ireland, did that amazing 12 program. 
when I brought that back, like I had a really long time and I still do it, you know, here and there. I just haven't really pushed it out that often, but you can make a lot of change in 12 weeks. I've seen some amazing transformations, both of my own and other coaches that do that. And 12 weeks can do a lot of, of good to someone's physique. And if they're already fairly lean, you can get them just absolutely shredded. And, and you can put on some substantial size, too. But if they were to keep going, yeah, you would see it go further and further and further. And people, I think, I mean, in my opinion, and I'm not trying to brag on this one, that's probably the fastest I've seen such drastic transformations as anybody that does that system. Um, and so, you know, shout out to Paul McElroy. Hey. Uh, that is by far just absolute genius on how he structured that whole thing and how people can, can replicate it as a coach. But at the same time, like it's, it's something I have to put in people's head because if you get a guy who's 400 pounds, 12 weeks, you're not going to look like the under armor model, you know? And so you have to frame things very realistically and set some expectations of it took you a while to get here. It's going to take you a while to undo that too. You know, going back to the media side, it took you a while of not advertising to realize what we need to advertise. So we're going to have to make some, we're going to have to do a lot more work because there's other people that caught on before you did. Mm-hmm. So if you want to get above them, you either going to have to pay a lot of money to do it or you're going to have to be patient. Um, and maybe both. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. nowadays it's probably both. Um, yeah, that's true. That's one of the things I had to really come to grips with was yeah. that you just yes have to advertise. It's the one thing I never did. I never yeah. did. And then I don't know, probably a few months ago, I'm like, all right. Are you serious about business or not? If <laughs> yeah. you are, then you got to do this. So you do it. And, uh, yeah, man, it just takes time. It does. And it's frustrating, and it's the one thing nobody likes to do. Um, I've used it many, many times, and I know you can relate to this. Uh, it, it's I've been very spoiled by jujitsu because it is such a long, grinding process to even just move up one stripe. I mean, you're talking – You'll fight for six months to a year to get one little strip of athletic tape put around your belt. You're like, yeah, that's mine. Yeah. And then when you get three more, you're like, oh, God, this is awesome. And then you get the belt. You're like, I'm not ready. (laughs) It's really funny how that works. Yeah, a lot of people do that. (laughs) Which, by the way, I think the last time I was here, I think we've both leveled up a belt. So congratulations, my man. Same to you. (laughs) I know it's been a bit, but yeah. sir. Yeah. It's all blur. Yeah. When, When did you get the black belt? Um, in December. Okay, because I got the I got my brown belt. No, I think it was November. So it, yeah, it was right, right about the same, same time. time there. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah boy. So we're not too far back. <laughs> this no. is this was a due meeting then. It was. It yes, was due to yes, come yes. back and say congrats. Oof, yeah, it's been a long ride. How's it feel? The same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, is was the ass whooping on Monday the same as it was Sunday? Always. Kind of thing. It's always the same. Yeah. yeah, it feels cool though. It's um, I don't know. It's just like one of those things. It what it what it has done though. Is it's taken? I don't know. Less, at least for me, it's just cleared up some mental space. Yeah. Because it was one of those things that was legitimately like on my mind. Because yeah, you know, you put in a lot of time. You make sure you're competing. You're doing all these things mm-hmm. to make sure you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. And um, but there's all this other shit in life that needs to be done too. So yeah. like my son, this was his first year wrestling. Oh, how'd it go? Well, he went great. He just yeah. he just did A's. Uh, he just did state for okay. the AAU state. Took third. Um, for nice. first year, so I'm pretty happy with it, man. Um, I didn't know how how well he was gonna like it. He was a little reluctant yeah. when we were starting, but man, he really took to it. So it was it was a it was a cool year, man. That's um, nice. But I was doing like spending a lot of time with him coaching and just yeah. being there. And I haven't been rolling as much jujitsu um, as I was before the season, just uh-huh. because I'm I'm with him and doing stuff like that. So 
it is nice to not be thinking about like, oh shit, I'm missing practice or like, yeah. oh man, I'm not going to be able to sign up for that tournament because it's like I'm able to focus on these other things. Right. Yeah. It is. It's. It is nice. I feel like regardless of the belt level, when you finally have that nice balance of family life, professional life, and then your own personal time. Yeah. You know, because like jujitsu does almost always fall in that professional, or I'm sorry, that personal time, unless it is your job. Yeah. And even then, if it is in that professional time, you still make time for you to train because yeah. th- nobody wants to be the one coach that can't do the shit on the mat. Right. So that's the, that's always been like my biggest fear. And that's one reason uh, I was laughing. I actually just messed up my shoulder pretty bad Monday. So I'm going to take a couple weeks of not rolling and just I might, I'm going to try and do some light drilling just to keep sharp on some things. But I was laughing my ass off. Uh, the long story short is that I have a row like a concept two rower at the house. Mm-hmm. And I'd been saying when I really focused on different like rower protocols I've researched over the years and just really fell in love with, I got into some of the best, not just like, um, you know, good conditioning as far as like, you know, looking good and feeling good, whatever, like, but just overall cardio health, mm-hmm. resting heart rate was the best it's ever been. Body fat was low. Recovery was through the roof because, you know, when your heart's strong, it's circulating good quality, you know, good oxygenized blood all throughout the body. Um, but then also my conditioning on the mats, my cardio on the mats was just through the roof. And I'm like, man, I really need to focus on that. Cause I had a lot of fun at that time. It sucks getting on the road for 25, 40 minutes at a time, but I really need to focus on that. And I'm like, it's really funny how the universe will provide in really hilarious ways. Cause I thought, man, I need to do this, get back on the lifting routine. I had just started getting ready for a new lifting program that I got from a coach and then the shoulder issue happened. I'm like, well, sorry, coach. Can't do this program for a few weeks until I figure out am I torn, whatever. Mm-hmm. But it just so happens that this is the one range of motion that doesn't bother me. Feels fine. And so conveniently, the rower is great now. Yeah. And it's like, well, that's the only damn thing I can do. I guess I have to do the freaking cardio. Since, you know, <laughs> yeah, sometimes you're just forced to do things. Yes. And what's the what's the what's the protocol you're doing? So I uh, I I cheated for a while. There was a book years ago by a guy named Dr. Kenneth J called The Cardio Code. Mm-hmm. And I have I think he only put out ebooks. He might have a few physical copies out there, but I got the ebook just because it was easier. And there's a lot of research he talks about like getting doing a two thousand meter rope, just best effort you can, tracking the watts on it, using that power output to kind of guide your other progress and your programming. But there's a few systems that he had in there I was like, man, I'm going to bust that out. I'm getting ready to do all this Excel graph math and, and make sure I can just pop in my numbers from each session. And it turns out he realized years ago, that sucks. I'm going to create an app for that. And so there's an app called RowForge that you just pop in what you want to do, and it Bluetooth it right to the rower. Okay. And so I just set it up, boom, and row. Oh, shit. Your your, your rower has Bluetooth? Oh, yeah. I, I, I love that one. Oh, it, okay. It's probably my favorite little feature that they have. Uh, any rowers that have, like if you look at the little monitor, if it says PM5, mm-hmm. Yeah, they have the Bluetooth, so this app will work with it. Nice. I have a concept, too, but I don't think mine has Bluetooth capabilities. It might. Is, is it here? It's in my garage. We'll, ch- we'll check it out. Okay. Yeah, because if it says PM5, you could use it. Okay. And it yeah. is one of those things where if you use this stuff, like it's it's going to suck because it. Uh, if you follow the program that they, they advise you to do, there's yeah. like, I think it's four sessions a week for five or six weeks or something like that, but it's just their conditioning protocol. Mm-hmm. And you can do other baseline tests in the meantime. Yeah. But it basically is every one of these conditioning sessions, you just row 5,000 meters. Okay. And I'm like, that's all, that's 20,000 meters a week. Yeah. <laughs> like in my head, I went, I've done 10. This is literally double what I used to do. But if you want to build up that aerobic base, that kind of makes sense. And it's not bad. It's like 25, 30 minutes. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I found myself popping on like episodes of like Game of Thrones and shit. Okay. <laughs> just, yep. Or like I'll catch up on podcasts and, yeah. uh, you know, or, or like audio books. And I'm just kind of rowing away. I could put on some comedies or whatever. And it's a little lazy in some cases, but like you're still getting the work done. Yeah. And as long as you're doing it, it's like, all right, you can multitask a little bit with this. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when you're doing cardio like that, it's so repetitive. It doesn't yeah. take a lot of mental energy to do that thing. Exactly. Now, they do have some workouts in there that are very, like, regimented. And so they'll have stuff where you have to do certain tests that give you baselines that plug into the other numbers. Mm-hmm. And then on those ones, it's like, hey, you need to put forth X amount of effort. And to do that, you're like, yeah, I can't. I gotta, I gotta shut the laptop down. I gotta focus on this one. Yeah, daddy's so, gotta no, work. Well, I've also noticed sometimes if I'm, maybe if I am listening to a podcast or mm-hmm. it, it may, I'll just unconsciously I won't put the same effort into it. Sometimes like I'll slow down a little bit and say, oh, I've noticed that. And too, say, no, yeah. oh, we gotta pick it up. Like you gotta focus on this because yeah. otherwise your body will just start to go into that comfortable pace where yep. where you're moving, but you're not really pushing it enough. Yeah, what yeah. I was what I was doing on this one here for that conditioning for that like I said I think it's six weeks now I'm thinking about it, um, but about three weeks in what I found myself doing was I thought that same thing and I thought man I really need to put forth this so I looked at the app just to see like is there a certain amount of progress I'm looking to make mm-hmm. or is there anything I'm looking to track and ultimately the answers I got even like interacting with them on Instagram and sending emails back and forth and hitting up their YouTube channel was. Just just get, put the mileage in. Yeah. Just just do the work, and then everything else will like kind of accommodate for it. And hearing from some of the developers of if you just do the shit, yeah, it's going to pay itself off. Plus, if you use this and then jump to the other programs, you're going to have such a base built up that those programs aren't as much of a shock. I was even doing it where like I would go train jujitsu, come home, and then hit my five thousand. Mm-hmm. And it was just a nice, easy look. I'm already kind of warmed up. Let's just get it done. Yeah. Um. And so that was kind of nice and beneficial in that regard. So it's not about the intensity necessarily. It's just, it's just the conditioning part is just get that part done. Now the other programs, yeah, you you have to focus on those. Yeah, but the, for that one, it's just get the five thousand in. Get the five thousand, and I like that they did that too because there's a lot of people that just don't have a good. Like I thought about it from that aspect of, if I was a coach, how would I put this in someone's hands to really get them to have the best effort? Well, I would just make them row a fuck ton of meters, and <laughs> just just make them row their ass off. How do you make two thousand feel good? We'll make them row ten. Yeah, that's true. You know, because then it's like, oh, man, this is this was hell. Okay, cool. Now you're literally going to row 20% of that. It's not as scary. In fact, you oh, sure, I'll put forth way more effort in this because I know it's not as bad as that crap. Yeah, it's easy. Absolutely. And so I, I thought, okay, well, this, there's a little logic that makes sense in this one. Uh, so I've had a lot of fun with Row Forge. I like that everything is very Viking themed too, because the guy's from Denmark, and so he's got you know the, he's he's an old kettlebell instructor uh, from the RKC program. If you if you heard RKC Strong First guy, yep, he was in the RKC before they split off to do Strong First, and the nickname he carried there was the Dane of Pain, and so he's the guy. Like if you ever heard of uh, like the Viking Warrior conditioning protocol or the snatch protocol vo2 max snatches uh-huh. that's all his shit okay and so it's he did a lot of work with the kettlebell in the same regard but then when he came out and you know i think actually i think that he wrote a whole book and i could be wrong on this i feel like that was that book was basically his master's pro- project <laughs> like hey let me show something on how to get vo2 max training with the kettlebell yeah and then since then he's done far more research at like an actual research institute got his doctorate and went, yeah, that was good, but that's going to be like maybe 85% at best of what you can do on these methods over here. Mm. And his logic, it made sense, was, uh, and I'm paraphrasing the shit out of this, so I'm, I'm probably going to get spammed later, board, but it's okay. um, 
Yeah, fuck them. I'm not a researcher. I'm just I'm <laughs> shooting the shit, man. I'm I'm a dude in the Midwest who just reads stuff here and there. I'll learn it, but <laughs> um, but like it was uh, the kettlebell. The reason people got to be careful with that is because it has the um, when when you're lifting like heavy weights, there's a certain amount of tension you generate to move that weight. Well, if the tension is too much, you actually will restrict blood flow back into the heart. And I'm, for, I'm paraphrasing the shit out of the science exactly, but basically you want something that's very low resistance that you can do repetitively and keep a certain rhythm going over time to get the best uh, training for the heart. Mm. And so running, skiing, swimming, if you got like the Versa Climber like from Rocky Four, or like what you all see like the jiu-jitsu guys doing in their conditioning videos on Instagram or whatever, um, or the Concept2 rower, those are the best ways. To really do it. So something you can kind of get in this rhythmic pace. Yes. Okay. With yeah. not like a, not a crazy amount of resistance. Yeah. Very very minimal resistance. Just something you can kind of keep at a certain amount. And that's Even, the best for cardio. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially if you're trying to build that the aerobic base. Now, yeah. if you want to go anaerobic where you don't need that, yeah, stuff like hit training, your kettlebell complexes, sandbag training. Uh, sometimes even jujitsu because a lot of people hold their breath when they know they shouldn't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, you're definitely not getting oxygen at that point. That's true. That's true. I have heard that running just at a very slow, methodical pace mm -hmm. is great for building that cardio base. I've heard that, and then also I've heard some people um, like knee and back issues pending, uh, like you know putting the rucksack on and going on like outdoor hikes and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I love going outdoors, and the idea of camping and doing long hikes is awesome. Mm -hmm. For some reason, the idea of waiting that it just sounds terrible to me. And I'm normally one of these guys like, yeah, give me the sandbag. I'll do this. But it, I guess for me, it's one of those, if I go on a hike, I want to enjoy the hike. Yeah. I don't want to feel like I have to do a workout. Yeah. Um, but if I go to train, then I'm going to go train. And so right. then I don't mind it. But I, I think that's one of those, like there's a little bit of a mix of business and pleasure that I just don't feel like screwing with. <laughs> so that's funny. I yeah. think that's where my mind goes there. I can understand that. I, um, I don't do a lot of rucking or anything like that, but I did go with the friend. We went on a pretty long hike and we threw on the vests and but my vest isn't very heavy. I think I have it at maybe fifteen pounds. Well, I'm thinking if I get on the rower more, I can lose some of the vest that I put on over the hike. <laughs> so that's, that's kind fair, of the yeah. hope, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, but we went on that walk, and I just remember thinking that uh, yeah, it didn't feel too overwhelming with the weight. I'm not, I'm not a fan of the heavy shit, or I'm not, and I'm not a fan of doing like a lot of crazy workouts with the vest. Okay, personally, yeah. but just I, I am a fan. I noticed. Whenever I did, um, I mean, it's been a while now, but whenever I was walking, you know, every day with 75 hard, yeah. my cardio felt amazing. Yeah. And all I was doing is just walking, just low intensity, steady state cardio, mm -hmm. right? And you just get so many good benefits. And then, um, so I really enjoyed, you know, yeah. doing that type of, of movement. But then, yeah, just, this is probably, I don't know, a few weeks ago, we went on that hike with the vest and I'm like, man, this feels pretty good. Um, it blew out my fucking my calves, dude. My calves were so sore. That was it, though. Just those the calves. calves. Those were steers. By the time you were, done. bro, it was it was brutal. I don't know. We probably walked for, I don't know, we walked for about two and a half hours. So I don't mean we probably only went a few miles. That's not bad. Yeah, but even still, like I remember, uh, there was a guy. So I mentioned Dave Whitley earlier. Got me thinking of this when you meant talking about like the long uh, endurance stuff. Yeah. There's a dude that, if you look at old-time strongman arts, the idea of, like, taking a piece of steel and, like, scrolling it into, like, twisties and curls and stuff like that and making fun sculptures and shapes out of it, yeah. they call that scrolling. One of the best steel scrollers I have ever seen and had the pleasure of meeting is a guy named Eric Vining, and I got real lucky 
because he's based out of O'Fallon. Oh, cool. Um, we're like kind of like North O'Fallon area, somewhere in there. Um, and so it was nice because when we met, there was this like I could tell he's a little guard. He's like, oh, I'm kind of I'm kind of north of of St. Louis, and I went, oh, okay, well that could be a number of places. Yeah, am I gonna have to take like a weekday trip and yeah, North Howe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, where am I going? Up to like Iowa? Are we talking Columbia? What are you doing? He goes, yeah, you familiar with uh, O'Fallon? And I'm looking and I'm going, dude, I can see the highway to O'Fallon from where I'm at right now. Yes, I know exactly. So he's in O'Fallon, Missouri, now O'Fallon, Illinois. Yes. Yeah. And so I had a chance to go over and hang out with him. And one of the things that he did for cardio was he'll just take, and he'll take like those deadlift straps. And he's got a a couple 45-pound plates that he'll just wrap through. They have like a handle to them. Uh And he'll wrap that in and he'll hold them and he'll just go with like like a farmer's walk. And he'll just walk around his um his block a couple times nice and he's figured out like the block i think around is almost exactly a quarter mile it's close enough that in his mind when he makes four laps he's done a mile well he'll walk a mile with 90 pounds in his hands that's crazy and i'm like you know you don't think that that sounds like much when you see him bending all these things and dipping all that but then you go to do that and you're like i can do this and you get about like you know to the end of the block you're like what the hell is wrong with this guy is it 90 in each hand or is it 90 total 90 total so 90 45 total. in each so hand 45. Yeah. and you said that oh yeah you just said yeah, yeah. 45s dude that's a lot of weight bro that's what i'm saying 45 pound <laughs> kettlebell on each or he does the plates yeah and he has these handles right either way a weight yeah, see, like I tried doing it with pounds. kettlebells, and I have, like, again, I got the little figure-eight deadlift straps. I'm like, oh, that should be easy. And I got halfway to the end of the, like, to the, I, actually, I don't even think I made a quarter of a mile. I think I made an eighth of a mile. Now, is he resetting his grip in between each lap? I think sometimes as needed. I haven't seen him do it too much, but I haven't I haven't really talked to him in a while. But either, either. way, he's completing the entirety of the thing, yes. holding it. Yeah, and he'll probably take a little break here and there, and he'll rest where he needs to, and then he'll pick him right back up and go. Dude, that's such a simple, awesome thing you could do. Right! And it, it benefits so many areas, right? I mean, grip mm-hmm. strength and leg strength are both attributed to longevity, right? I mean, yep. so you're training both of those and things. And you work in your core. You're working your shoulders. Cardio. Uh, the cardio. Don't, don't even begin to forget about the mental aspect of, like, you're carrying 90 pounds for a fucking mile. Yeah, you got to kind of just <laughs> ease that voice that's telling you to drop this you shit. Can, you stop. can put this down now anytime you want. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of the cool thing. Like when you think of, you know, what training does in a number of ways when you really harden yourself, like you do have the ability to just say, I can stop anytime I want. You know, whether it's jujitsu or weights or Wim Hof, like the ice baths. You know, that's a great example I've used. You're not in danger. You're not, I mean, you can literally end this anytime. And even if you are uncomfortable, it's not something that's going to kill you, at least not right away. Like if you stay there all day long, you might have some problems. Um, but unless, you know, unless you're whim, you know, that dude's just a freak. So it's, yeah, he's something else. He is something else. I would love to like get a more fixed ice bath kind of set up at the house. Mm-hmm. That's some, that's gonna, that's a big goal of mine this year. You know, man, I always say I want to. I fucking hate doing cold exposure. Do you really? Every time I do it, I always feel good afterwards. I'm like, oh man, I feel so good, and I know the ben- <laughs> I know the benefits. <laughs> but in reality, I fucking hate the cold. I hate it. Yep. It is the thing that I hate the most. I'd much rather just do heat exposure. I will say, I also feel like, especially in Missouri, it's probably easier to do that on like a hotter day, like when you get climates like now. You're like, dude, give me the IV or give me the infrared sauna all day long. Yeah. But then in the hot summer, you're like, man, I would kill for like just something to cool me off like right away. And so even if you get that brisk, go, oh, you're, you, you step outside and you're like, okay, it's like 900 degrees again. Yeah. I just prefer, <laughs> I just prefer a sauna. I've noticed for me, yeah. um, my, my point of being uncomfortable with the heat is a little bit further than most people's. Okay. That's so fair. I just enjoy the heat. 
I think the that's fucking cold, man. I hate that shit. That's fair, and I think there are some people. It's you just have to kind of adapt to it, and, and some yeah. people are just probably predisposition to be one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Some, and again, if you like yeah. more, like I. I fry in the sun. Yeah. So I, I need to, to be to, in the sun more. <laughs> I used to try to lean into the cold. Dude, I bought a fucking uh, a freezer and I turned it yeah. into a cold plunge. Yeah, dude. I used to try. I was taking uh, cold showers all the time. Didn't work for you, did it? I just, I, well, you know, it's not consistent. So and then I was just like, yeah. you know what, man? Let me just be honest with myself. I hate this shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's the key right there, though. You had that. I got to be straight up. Like, I, yeah. I don't like this. And from this what I've learned, cool. you can pretty much get the same benefits with, with, with heat, yeah, I mean the cold. Whether it's a, it's it's like heat shock proteins or cold shock proteins, they're doing the same thing. A lot, yeah. I've seen a lot of stuff that basically complements. You know, one complements the other, and yeah. so you know, do you have to do both? No. Can you do one or the other? I mean, yeah. A lot of things too, and this is what I tell people. I've I've had people ask me what's better, and my answer is, well, what are you doing now? Nothing. Well, just pick one. Yeah. <laughs> what what diet is better for you? Well, not the one you're currently on if this is part of the reason why you're here. Yeah, like what are you going to do every day? Bingo. Or, yeah, consistently. That's, you mentioned 75 hard. I think that's the genius of what that is, is it forces accountability to build a habit because, again, 70, it's 75 days straight. Yeah. So, all right, well, let's think about this. I mean, you're starting to get to the point where – 75 days, you're just a little shy of 90. Yeah. And 90 is a, a solid 12 weeks. Yeah, you're talking about that 12 week program. So, yeah, you can do phenomenal it's things. It's really in not weeks much different. And, and I think 75, too, people think 75. I'm like, well, it's shorter than 12. It's shorter than 90. Two and a half I, months. Yeah, it's two and a half months. I could do this. Yeah. Um, and But then I love the app, too, because if you miss a day, they're like, you know, hey, why'd you screw up? Yeah. Like right. it calls you out immediately on it. And you're like, uh, you know what killed me every time? was the damn photos. Yeah. I hated it. That was the part I hated doing. Really? And it, it wasn't like I was self-conscious about it. It was just I would forget to do it. It just wasn't important. It, it, I did. I put zero priority on that. Yeah. I put I put more priority on the books, uh, like reading every day. Yeah. And I put more priority on the two workouts, one of them being outside no matter what. Yeah. Those were the things I knew, like, at that time when I did it, I had the hardest struggle with. Yeah. Um, and then I also found, and this was, uh, a lot of people said this was kind of counterintuitive, but I'm like, it, it was just what worked for me. I did better when I wasn't worried about sharing it on social media or texting friends or whatever. And I have no issues with people that do that for me. As soon as I would do that, I felt like I had to, to do it over and over. And I felt like I had to do it for people to watch it. And I felt like I w- didn't have to do it for me. And so it became less about, like, I realized the more I tried to buy into it the way that everybody else was doing it, the less focus I was getting on it. Mm-hmm. And then it became very challenging for me to do it. I did finally do it, and I didn't tell a single console. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was how I finally had to do it. Just, yeah. just don't tell anybody. Yeah, dude, whatever works best for you, right? I, I know right. The, I know the first time that I did it, I, uh, I did lean into I, – I started posting about it from the get-go because I wanted the social accountability. And and there's a very real thing, and I absolutely see the benefit of yeah. it. Right, it, that is a thing. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. Um, but then there were there's definitely times where, um, yeah, I think the second time I did it, I posted about it some, but I didn't uh, I didn't really go into it with that same that same mindset that I would the first time, where it's like, all right, I need the social accountability. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, to each their own, bro. To each their own. That's the thing, and and whatever you. Whatever people do to make themselves healthier or make themselves better, yeah. Whether you do it publicly, whether you do it in private, I honestly think that there's merits of both. Yeah. Um. You know, when you're doing stuff privately, uh, you know, one of my favorite challenges to give people is go to the gym at a time you would never go and do your same workout with the same intensity in silence. 
and see if you could do it. Yeah. You know, because there's a lot of people, no, I need to get amped up. I need to have my playlist. I need to have my pre-workout. No, don't. Just go in. Just do the don't get jacked up on crazy supplements or crazy caffeine. Don't try to, like, pump yourself up and slap yourself on the face for, like, five sets of 15 of whatever. People do that? Apparently. Because <laughs> I had to have to talk with them, like, dude, calm it down. I know people get all jacked up on pre-workouts and caffeine and stimulants and sugar and shit. My favorite thing to tell people is – actually, not favorite, but the, the one I hear more than I should is when I have to remind people I would not take pre-workout and then go do something like a jiu-jitsu or cardio. Why would you get your heart rate super jacked up just to get your heart rate super jacked up even more? Mm-hmm. Yeah, roll one round. <sighs> I'm going to die. Yeah, you might. <laughs> you're, 200 beats a minute is not a sustainable yeah, rate, bro. Your heart's about to explode, buddy. Yeah. Yeah, this is a horse tranquilizer. <clears throat> ah. <laughs> oh, fuck, dude. Yeah, I don't know why anybody would want to do that, but uh, and a lot of those products are just, just so full of fillers. It's all they are, man. Like, you know, you can have nine cups of coffee and get a lot of the same benefit. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, a cup of coffee and some beet juice. And, yeah. You know, there's a, there's a lot of your muscle volumizer right there. Yeah, yeah. I fucking hate beets. I do, too. I do not like them. It tastes like dirt. There's not too many. Th- thank you. It's it's <laughs> literally like eating, like, it's not even like grass. It's like you had to shovel a couple layers into your yard and went, I'm just going to throw this in a blender. Yeah, dude. There's not, there's not too many things I don't <laughs> like, but beets are, are up there. I will say I did find a little solace in, like, with, like, salads and stuff. If you can get, like, pickled beets. Okay. I think when it has that little bit of a vinegar kick to it, it's like we're. Take some of that out. Yeah, yeah, you don't taste the dirt as much because then you get the infusion of the other flavors. Yeah. I just have to throw them in smoothies or something. That's yeah, I'll do that too. Yeah. And then they just look super. Fun. I feel like such a negative Nancy right now because <laughs> because you keep first it was cold exposure, then you bring up beats. I'm like, I fucking hate that. I hate that too. I hate everything right now. Adam, are we gonna be real with yourself here? <laughs> I'm just so negative right now. Yeah. Hey man, sometimes you're just like that. It's the spectrum. Don't- it- Everyone goes through phase, especially now. Like, we're getting ready to go into spring. I've noticed moods are kind of dip because it's been winter for way too long in Missouri. And yeah. But, you know, man, I, I've noticed that, you know, our percep- as you get older, your perception mm-hmm. of time is different, right? Oh, so totally. The winters just get quicker. I've noticed that, too. And I've, I had this conversation with my wife not too long ago of, I don't know if winter is getting shorter or if we're just more acclimated of dealing with it, that stuff doesn't really bother us as much. But I remember thinking as a kid... I feel like it was cold way more than what it has been. Is, I don't. Is this some weird global warming stuff? Mm-hmm. What's going on? If it is, I know some people are like, "Well, give me the glo- you know, give me the warmer winter," and then I'm like, "Well, I know, but what is this screwing up somewhere else, right?" And so I have those back and forth all the time. But at the end of the day, it's like I think it really is just we also find other shit to do to occupy our time, mm-hmm. and so then it's like. By the time you realize, like, man, I'm kind of tired of winter. Oh, wait, it's spring. Never mind. Yeah. It's like the next week it pops up. Yeah. I think that the fall isn't as cold as it used to be. Yes, I will give you that. And I think also some of it is just our perception of, of the time. So you, com- you combine, I think combine, you combine <laughs> the fact that maybe that early part. Whenever I was younger, I used to think of fall as winter. You know, I can see that, yeah, cause, especially cause, when it's cold. Like, like. Late October, November, December, for whatever reason in my mind, that was always kind of, like, at least December for sure was winter. Like, when it hit December, like, that was winter in my mind, even though that's still technically the ending of fall. And yeah. I think this, I think winter t- starts with, like, that third week or whatever. Fourth. Yeah. So either way, in my mind, though, that was how – but now – and maybe it's just because it was colder. I think you know what is, I mean? Yeah. But now it's not as it's not as cold as no. it used to be during that, th- that fall. And then, yeah. Also, here's the thing. 
the world is always shifting and changing and evolving, yeah. and we always act like that things are just supposed to be the same. The, I agree. The weather is supposed. <clears throat> we know that the continents are moving. <laughs> we know this. Like we know that weather is changing. They're just the forces of nature are far beyond our control and understanding. I would love to have this conversation with a flat earther right now. <laughs> I don't know why, but if you ever need to make yourself feel better, and and I'm, I'm again, I what's, can't wait to see flat earthers like. What's their argument? I I know it's flat. And I've I've heard so people. many of them, but I think my favorite ones are just. I I kind of quit paying attention to exactly how they <laughs> argued it, to be honest with yeah. you. But if I I have, I went through a little phase like probably three four years ago when that was like really becoming a thing. Yeah, and if I needed to feel better about myself, I would just go on flat earther groups and be like. What are people doing with their time? And they're sitting there, and like you read like 120, 340 comments deep. Yeah. And I'm like, cool. You, I feel way more accomplished now. Yeah. You know, the one point I have heard that does make sense to me. Uh oh. And it's not even, <laughs> where, how weird does this get? You Uh-oh. tell me. Um, <laughs> is that all of the images that we've ever seen mm-hmm. of the earth, how do we know they're real? Yeah, I've heard that one, and I... That's just really a question. I, I Yeah. I, 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 I just believe it is. I don't have any reason not to believe. That That is one, like, if you really go down to the idea of, like, well, if you have to dispel a few things here and there, yeah, that is there. But how do you know? The ones that get me, though, are, like, and I forget, again, this is where I am terribly uneducated, I find, but, like, who was it that did, like, the geometric analysis of like you know just when when you think of like how a sundial works the only way that that would work yeah, is if curvature yeah the only way that would work is if there's a curvature of the earth and if yeah. it rotates and so when i see stuff like that i go okay i can give you the photos debunk that right and i'm sure people have yeah, yeah, yeah. i just haven't looked yeah i always try to to just kind of suspend my disbelief yeah. with certain things i'm like all right well because especially and this was something that and that i never really thought about until maybe more recently, it's the whole moon landing. Now, <laughs> for real, dude. Now, I'm not saying we haven't been to the moon. Right. But what I am saying is that the video of us going to the moon, I don't know if that was real. You see what I'm saying? So, yeah. so maybe we went and they and, and to either appease the public or to whatever reason, they shot that in a studio, put that on TV, Solves that problem as far as optics. Right. I'm not saying we didn't go, but I'm saying that video. I don't know if that video was moon, where it was said it was. Is that's all I'm saying? That wasn't filmed on set, is what you're saying? On the moon. Yeah. That's. What I'm, I'm sorry. It was on set. It wasn't yeah. on site. So I whenever I start going down these rabbit holes of these different these different strange conspiracies and different things, yeah. I'm like, man, well, that's that's a good point. Maybe that wasn't filmed here. I don't know. So doesn't here, mean we didn't go. Here's a fun question for you. So obviously. Uh, when 2020 broke out with COVID, there was a million different conspiracies that were hitting social media and everything. Uh-huh. And I, <laughs> I find myself doing this thing where, like, every once in a while, I get that troll bug that just crawls up in me and go, like, I, I don't know, man. Like, it's a gorgeous day. Kids are great. The house is clean. Birds are chirping. How can I piss off Facebook today? And I don't know why this happens, but like once once every six months to a year, I get that troll bug and I go, ah, I'm going to have some fun, just rouse some stuff up. And so I'll, I, I'm almost at the point now I want to ask, like, what has been your favorite conspiracy and why do you believe it? 
and just see what people say because that would be hilarious to know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so what's been your favorite conspiracy that you've heard in the last couple of years? And you're like, that was a good one. Maybe even if you don't believe it, you're like, well, okay, that one was that that was pretty funny. That was like newer, relevant to the times. Yeah. Okay. Um, first, let me preface with this because <laughs> you, I like how th- this means you put thought into this one. <laughs> Well, I I spend <laughs> I've, I've gone down some rabbit holes, yeah, and I do spend time questioning things and thinking. I've had I've talked about conspiracies. So first, let's preface with this: that the word conspiracy theory mm-hmm. has a lot of negative connotations. I do agree with you. Yes, and the moment that you say that word, it automatically goes to Bigfoot and aliens, which. I've just been gone. I just gone down this huge rabbit hole today, watching this shit on this the, the Skinwalker saying, Ranch. Okay, I was just saying, don't tell me you're in the Bigfoot. No, no, okay, not you're Bigfoot. Gonna, you're, we're not gonna go hunting Sasquatches. We're for not the doing next that. On, okay, yeah. we're definitely not doing that. But um, but like the Skinwalker <laughs> Ranch and all these different phenomenon. Like, are you familiar with the Skinwalker Ranch? No, I'm Ranch not. I don't think Utah? I've heard this one. It's in like north uh, northeastern Utah. Um, this ranch has the highest concentration of just different sightings and, and phenomena and, and like UFOs and shit like that, like specifically on this ranch, but in that area in general. Yeah. And, uh, and I mean, I don't know how much you've kept up with this, but I mean like the Pentagon has released things about, you know, there are UFOs. We don't know yes. anything about. So, I mean, shit's coming to light as far as that's concerned. But, um, uh, what was I saying? Uh, Skinwalker Ranch. No, I was yeah, Skinwalker Ranch. But I, that I was going somewhere with that because we were talking about uh, conspiracy theories. Conspiracies. Everyone thinks Bigfoot. Oh, it has a negative connotation. Oh, negative connotation. Yeah, yeah. So my point is, these things that sound crazy, mm-hmm. like aliens or Bigfoot or Loch Ness monster or any of these fucking things, sound crazy. But then some things like the aliens start coming to light. And say, All right, is it really that fucking crazy? Right. So my point is, the word conspiracy theorist was coined by the CIA in 1967. To discredit anybody that went, <laughs> this is official record. Yeah, exactly. I, I think I have I have seen this one actually. That went against the official narrative. Okay. So every time you say that word, it's always associated with this negative thing. But really, that's by design. Really, all it is yeah. when you think about it is just obviously it gets crazy because some of those things are fucking stupid. Flat Earth, lizard people. That's just yeah. probably pretty stupid. Here's the question though. <laughs> yeah. Are those stupid things put out there because you're just trying to muddy the waters because you have the people who are critically thinking, asking questions about like JFK. Right. You know what I'm saying? Where now that we've gone down, we've had all these years just looking at the JFK situation. Mm -hmm. We're so far removed. There's all this evidence that clearly there was a lot of fuckery going on when that dude was assassinated, right? And cover up and shit like that. So whenever you say conspiracy theory... (laughs) <laughs> it's not all crazy. That's the I, fuck. That's, I, I that's can the give thing, you that, right? Yeah. Well, uh, that that's cut to me kind of what makes it fun too, is because yeah. yeah, you do hear a lot of stuff out there like, oh my god, that's just a crazy little yeah. whatever. But at the end of the day, it's it, you still have to kind of look at it and go, well, just suspend a few things for a second and kind of ask the question. But what if? Yeah, or where is the truth? Right, right. Is there a whole bunch of bullshit with? Just maybe a little bit of truth in there. Mm-hmm. You got to parse through the shit, really, and figure out what's valid and what's not. But I would say my favorite, to answer your question, yeah, yeah. Um, the, probably the only one I really went deep down was, uh, you know, the whole QAnon shit where it got really deep. There's, yeah, there's, I, there's a whole bunch of shit with the QAnon. It was all crazy, but yeah. it was the whole um, 
you know, just the like the satanic elites, yeah, and uh, the whole uh, you know taking kids and draining of their blood and trying to get the like, adrenochrome and all yeah, this, the adrenochrome yeah. and all that shit. I went down that rabbit hole pretty deep. But here's what's crazy about that is there has to be some truths sprinkled in there in that. I think there's a lot of record of of satanic worship in Hollywood. And yeah. like amongst those I've those, heard, I've those, heard a lot of those that, groups, yeah. there's like a record of that shit, and you can find some of these websites about cannibalism and shit. Like, dude, I went to these things. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, there's some there's some truth to them. And then, for example, that whole uh, you know, you look at elites and 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 secret societies and cults and weird rituals, and there's evidence of those as well. Um, did you see that video? It was like Bohemian something or other that Alex Jones put out, and it was basically he like snuck. Into this, uh, this ritual of these ultra elites doing oh, some wow. weird shit. Bro. No, I hadn't heard those. Oh, ones. bro, what? <laughs> so yeah, man. So there's evidence of these people doing this weird shit. So you got to kind of parse out what it is and isn't. Obviously, I didn't think that John F. Kennedy Jr. was going to come back and team up with Donald Trump and they were going to expose a whole bunch of shit and all that, which was yeah. a, which was a part of that whole thing. But you start hearing different things in there. I'm like, fuck, is that? little nugget true or is that true because you pick out certain things we do know that elites around the world throughout history have been molesting children for a very long yeah. time like that's just see that's the thing they like the, the whole um that's what's been, his name epstein and giselle yeah. maxwell like that that fucked up behavior has been going on longer than not yeah that's the thing we're in a place now where we're in society and as a whole we've all come to this collective agreement like hey you don't do that that's not right. okay right but when you look at the longevity of history, yep. that's been going on. That's the majority. Even here in America, it wasn't that long ago that 13-year-olds were getting married and having kids with grown-up men. Yeah, that was fucked up. Very recent. Yes. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, we're talking like what, like last 30 but, years, not even? Well, I would just, I would, in my I mind, wrong, I'm, yeah. in my mind more prevalent, I would say with, let's just say 100 years. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's still way late, late 1800s, early 1900s for sure, right? Yeah. That was probably still happening, right? In early 1900s for sure. Yeah. Call it 100 years, let's say. Dude, that's, so we're in a place that's much smaller as far as human behavior. So you look at all this fucked up shit, I'm like, man. Yeah, I think that's the other thing too is that uh, you know I've I've always been one of these people where I've I've reserved the right to change my opinion based on new information. One hundred percent. And we have, I mean, information supercomputers at our fingertips and phones. And I was reaching for it, and I think I just knocked my coat off. But because you got someone's calling you, Mike. Yeah, well, I was kicking it over. I was like, "Go away!" Um, but like, uh, you know, we have supercomputers in our hands by all metrics of what we know in technology. I mean, the iPhone is not that old. Right, <laughs> and that's what messes me up. And it got here like that. Yes, and it blew up. And then like, look at every advancement since, and everyone. I I love it whenever Android users are like, well, iPhones are basically the same thing over and over. Well, okay, like all phones are the same shit over and over. It's just what new camera, what new app, what yeah. new feature you need to have that makes people go to you. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like the tech is not really that old. But it blew up so fast that now you had to stay relevant with it and you had to stay common with it. And so, um, you know, I, I forgot kind of where I was going with that whole thing. But, like, the idea of, um, oh, it's just, you know, certain things not being around as long as what you think they have been. Like, that's it, – it, it is crazy when you think, like, you know, iPhones are not that old. Yeah. And then the fact that some of this shit was even as 
as young as a hundred years ago. Yeah, dude. So like that's that's what two generations, not even. Dude, not even. That's yeah, like one couple, and a half people yeah, ago. Which that's what fucks <laughs> me up, right? Because it's a serious issue. Uh-huh. How do we address this serious issue that has been happening longer than not? Right. You know what I'm saying? That, that's like fuck, dude. What do you do? Right. So then you start looking at these 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 elites and shit like that. You start hearing all these stories about. Uh, Hollywood and and what they do to these young actors, yeah, you know what I'm saying, taking advantage of them. And you look at the number of young actors who fucking go crazy, and just you know what I'm saying. And oh, you yeah. hear all these stories and shit, and it's like, man, I know I heard it through a conspiracy <laughs> theory, but I'm just saying. Yeah. Uh, so that's probably the most one that. The guy. What about you? For me, that's, <laughs> a, good, that's a good one. I uh, I almost had another story I was thinking of, but then I was like, man, I don't know if this would go into another conspiracy. Talk thing about or... whatever you want, buddy. I went deep down this hole. If you haven't, you yeah, can't no, no. tell. The only one that really jumped out at me is one that really kind of, um, I get, I, and this was one that was more of a, I wasn't really sure if I actually wanted it to be true or not. Yeah was the whole idea that the COVID vaccine was just a bunch of nanobots that they were going to use to to track and control you. And I thought, okay, guys, I've seen G.I. Joe, and I saw how this shit goes. Yeah. Let me see this work. Because <laughs> in my head, I'm like, if you have nanobots that you're going to put into somebody's blood or whatever and have all the – like, I saw how Cobra did it, man. Like, you could, you could regenerate a dude real quick on this stuff. Yeah. So, I don't know. Is, is Elon up on this one? Because that's – I mean, we're talking like – the neural link thing that he has going on or whatever. Right. So in my head, I'm like, I don't know if we're going to start getting into like biotech and enhanced humans and stuff. There's a part of me that's like, I wouldn't mind seeing it because like the sci-fi nerd in me is like, that'd be kind of cool. But then the other side of me is like, well, that's kind of horrifying. That's right. like permanently modding someone for whatever to be a cyborg kind of thing. That's and, the next level shit. Yeah. That, that one kind of messed with me for a little while there, but it was more of a, I was more amazed at, how many people were just throwing shade at something that they de- you could tell they definitely did not look at they were by any media sound bite they could find that's what they were going to jump on and they were just regurgitating the same stuff over and over i'm like i don't know if like people have actually read medical journals like i did a bunch in when i was doing fitness stuff here and there um and i still every once in a while i'll pick up something for like you know um new research that shows how this kind of supplementation helps with XYZ and athletics. Like I'll still check things out here and there. I don't read those nearly as much, but anybody who's ever read those, they are boring articles. They are not exciting or sexy by any stretch of the imagination. And so when people are like, Oh yeah, I've read the medical research. It's very interesting. No, the shit's typically not, unless you really are a science geek, that is not interesting stuff. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I guess yeah. it kind of is at the end of the day, but it's like it's not exciting, right? Right. The, you have to be excited about the topic for that boring stuff to make sense. Yeah. Well, I guess what are you reading and who's saying it? Right. And and that's the thing. Like, oh, like asking me like where I'm reading. No, no I'm just saying. Oh, like, yeah, in yeah. General, like whoever you're talking to. Well, and then the problem is like you know you read one medical thing and then someone's like, well, I'm going to discredit because of this, 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 and who paid for that? And then they there's always a means to discredit it. And I thought, are you like actually reading this, or are you just like one of those people that perpetually has to put it down because you don't think it agrees with you from the get-go. Yeah. And I'm like, that's not true science. Because true science doesn't give a shit if you agree with it or not. True science is like, it's like math. The number's equal. The last couple years have been an interesting time in that there's been a lot of, there's been a lot of theories going around. A lot of, what, so in COVID specifically, mm-hmm. it's like, well, 
where did it come from? How did it start? Yeah. There's a lot of conversations that were had, especially in the beginning, that like you couldn't say things. Mm-hmm. Like you couldn't. You couldn't. You still can't really talk about nuance and different right. things, right? And in the beginning, one of the big ones was, well, where did it come from? And if you said it came <laughs> from a lab, then yeah. you were you were you're fucking talking conspiracy theory and you couldn't even say that. And yeah. some people, if you posted that on social media, it got flagged and taken down or people were losing accounts and shit. And now yeah. it's well known. It came from a lab. Right. Right. So man, especially in relevant times, how much of what's going around is just to try to just discredit and muddy the waters because you can't have any sort of nuanced fucking conversation. Yeah. I don't know if there yeah. are nanobots in, in the COVID <laughs> thing, but I dig like the 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 kid in me who was the sci fi kid yeah. who saw the first GI Joe movie where that I was watching that shit happen there. I'm it's like, like yes, oh, come this on, is bring it. it. But could it be biological warfare? That's, I mean, that seems like a feasible. There's a lot of things that could be bi- like botulism could be biologically war- used for warfare if you yeah. really wanted it to. Yeah, and so it, and it would be very very <laughs> yeah. be a very interesting thing. Well, the Hell, thing anthrax about, was well, the thing with COVID was I mean we know that there was gain of function research happening mm-hmm. right. There's there are emails confirming mm-hmm. that i'm pretty sure correct i, I, think, I think so, so i, right? I kind of i i will admit i am very terrible about keeping up on a lot of that because i i very much did the typical american thing of like i just buckled down and kind of got into my little bubble and yeah. i kind of paid attention to what i needed to do to be relevant in some things but everything seems so relevant though well it my my issue was that it was so everything was so relevant that i went to the route of if everything's relevant then nothing's relevant like and and I don't know why my brain jumped to that. It it was almost like a priority thing. If everything's yeah. important, then nothing's important. Yeah. And well, so I got really irritated with the fact of I couldn't find clear information yeah. without hearing ninety minutes of arguing to get to the point that I wanted to hear. Yeah. Well that's the whole thing. Yeah. You're never gonna get clear information without sifting through and, it. Yeah. And 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 that's the one thing I think I find most frustrating is I feel like we used to have and and maybe we didn't and it's just now more easily known or more widely known how difficult it is to find clear information. But I feel like the problem that we all run into is that there's not really any one source of truth anymore. Well, even then, when there was one source of truth, was it really the source of truth? That exactly. And it so was just the trust that's the what I'm saying. Like, you know, I have a hard time saying, like, yeah. was it always there or did we just have something that we just universally, majority agreed? Yeah, we can count on that as something yeah. factual. Yeah, I think a lot of us, we just. When we only had a limited source of information, we just believed. Although, I mean, I like to believe that back in the day, journalists had more integrity. Yeah. It wasn't all just about clickbait. You know what I mean? They they really tried to go find the real story. I think I, I will agree with you there because, I mean, how many times you see something even in sports, yeah. you know, where they'll have like something with some headline <sighs> article. I'm good. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll uh, see some stuff on like some kind of headline thing here and there about like this athlete did X, Y, Z. And then as you read the article, they're like, well, they kind of did, but it wasn't nearly as big as that article kind of made it seem. Dude, and so everything yeah. is just blown out of proportion. Just get click, 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 share, click, yeah. share, click, share. Like, love, shock, laugh, angry face. You know? Yeah. <laughs> we just want engagement. Yeah, really. That's it. That's it. And there's a lot of contradictions and shit. Very much and so. even flat out lies in the media. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Just to say whatever is either going with a narrative or just whatever. Well, it, you'll see contradictions because I was just wa- – Watching this Rogan podcast, mm-hmm. I wish I could think of the guy's name. Uh, it's a tough one. Was this the one? Hold on. What was it that he uh, he got on people for? It was something about. Was it like CNN saying something about how he approached like COVID with ivermectin and all that? Um, that was something he talked about 
there, there was a guy I feel like he called out like on the show and went, yeah, but you you guys could have retracted that and updated and you didn't. And uh, oh, with CNN, yeah. yeah, no, this is just um, I'm just trying to find a couple of his recent. He has a recent guest. I would pull. I watched it. I usually listen to it on my phone, so uh-huh. my phone's recording. Um, I'm just trying to get, double duty here. I'm just trying to get this guy's name real quick. His yeah, name, you're good. His name is Majid Nawaz. Okay. Um, he says he's a former Islamist turned counter extreme activist and author of multiple books and public speaking. But he's from the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, he was essentially he was an, an Islamist terrorist, uh, except the way they went about it was not about violence. They would infiltrate um, high levels of government and they would flip people. And okay, so, I can see that. And he's he's basically telling his story and shit like that. And uh, he's he pulled up a couple articles, and uh, he was talking because he's talking about media. And mm-hmm. because at one point in time, he was listed on two different lists uh, by these two different organizations. One as like an anti-Islamic hate, like a hate group or something. Like okay, hate, and then also. As as an Islamic terrorist, like two counterpoints. Okay, he was, like, he was listed on both of these things, and he also pointed out <laughs> so exactly just the contradictions. That's like saying the you're like a hard left and a hard right at the at same, same time. Exactly, yeah, he sued weird. both of them. So you're so you're not hard red, you're not hard blue, you're really just a purple. And he's yeah, he's he's <laughs> neither. And he also he sh- he showed this article on there about how they wrote an art. Uh, it was this article that was written about this guy saying. Um, some I'm fucking up the details, but they were saying like he's anti-vax. Something mm-hmm. happened to him, something or other. And then you read the article, and he actually has had two doses of the vaccine. So interesting. In the headline, they call him anti-vax. It was like a scare article, like an, like yeah. anti-vax, blah blah blah. And then it turns out he actually had. So it was like this contradiction even within the same article. Yeah, that's so what I'm you, talking about. So man. you see this fuckery. Is the whole point? Very much. So. Um, that's a really good conversation, actually. This Majid Nawaz. Uh, Dude, I will have to check that out. Fascinating yeah. human. That I've actually found like some of my favorite podcasts from Joe is from the Joe Rogan experiences, like the ones where there are people that you don't really expect to have a relevant topic. One of my favorite ones of all time, and this is I think this is several years ago now. He had that guy. I think his name is Doctor Matthew Walker, Walker Welker, one of the two. Um, but he was talking about like sleep studies, uh-huh. and I'm like, I did not expect to get really into that one but when you hear like yeah. you know what happens when your sleep cycle is jacked up and what jacks up you're like oh my god i'd want to like change my life right now yeah yeah and and he has so many good he's got a on really there. good uh series of, of people on there even talking um what's the doctor that shows up all the one a, a lot on the show the the one lady um ronda patrick that's the one yeah as yeah. soon as said ronda i'm like that's the one yeah dude she is on point i actually got back on twitter just to follow her and start like when i talk about those research journals and stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. i'll follow her stuff yeah quite quite often yeah a lot it's it's just funny to me that a lot of the controversy surrounding him at the moment is the people who are mad have never even listened to joe rogan right and the and every single person every single person who actually knows joe rogan mm-hmm. has come out and is like hey you guys are talking shit yeah <laughs> like what are you talking and granted i don't know did you see did you see the clips and stuff that were kind of going around about i've him? seen a few of them yeah they're that like exactly did you see the, the one where, did you see the one where he made like the planet of the apes joke yeah that, that was bad that one was not as like, that was fucked up it, no, was, it was fucked up because like i remember thinking to myself like i mean if you take the stuff out of context here and there and then someone showed me that clip and just mid-sentence i went if you take it out of Oh, that's not good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I will you immediately say, go. Oh man, yeah. I lost my argument. Never mind. Dude, I'm sorry. Well, I've listened to a lot of his conversations, mm-hmm. and I will say that I think that 
every time he said nigger in that, mm-hmm. they, I think those were all taken out of context. And I do think that he was always assuming that he would never be taken out of context, which is why after 12 years of podcasting, it's never come up yeah. until right now, right? Right. Well, he's bigger now, than ever now, too. Well, and also it started, it evolved with it evolved with him having Robert Malone and Peter McCullough on, both doctors, and mm-hmm. they, they go against the popular narrative as far as vaccines and COVID and everything. Yeah. Both of those guys, I think, have the vaccine, by the way. Right. So it's kind <laughs> of, it's kind of, so, and then it went from him, from that to him being a racist. So in my mind, yeah. in my mind, that's kind of clearly an orchestrated thing. Now, I'm saying that to say this. That's why I think all this is coming up now. Yeah. Now, I do believe that the, whenever he was saying nigger, like those were, that was taken out mm-hmm. context. The Planet of the Apes joke, that was just fucking bad. That was And bad. regardless, I, I know some people are of the opinion that if you're not black, like you should never say that word. Some people, like there's a lot of people are of that opinion. That. And, and that's, it's very like accepted, right? Yeah. So I'm not going to discredit anybody's view on the word. So here's the thing. He did, a, like he's like, oh man, he's like, man, I saw that. That was really bad. And yeah. he owned it and he apologized. And every single person who actually knows him knows his character and yeah. has always stood by him. So it's kind of like one of those things to where, I, how did we get down this tangent? There's, I had an original point and I fucking lost it. Oh, we we're just talking about Rogan. and Yeah. Yeah, my point is, so I'm just, yeah, I mean, he has a lot of good guests and I think he puts a lot of good information out. And uh, yeah, yeah I, think, I think he does a lot more good than you know, like the shit that's kind of out right now, kind of surrounding him, which is why the people who actually know him support him. I think yeah, that's, I think that's kind of my main point. No, for sure. And actually, it, it brings up another interesting point too. And this is something my wife and I were just talking about probably this week, sometime. Yeah, this it was this week or last week. But the issue that I have with a lot of stuff that surrounds him is if we will let criminals be released back into society after serving their time. They've done their time. They've made their amends. They're they're uh, uh, now officially, I mean, assuming that they don't you know, break any more laws, they're now a law-abiding citizen, okay? Past is past. At what point do we let the past be something that we learn from rather than we have to, like, just keep hanging it over their head? Like, when do you let, like, Joe, okay, you made a bad joke. You know, he might not have meant it to be a certain way. He may have meant it a certain way. He legit looked back at it and went, yeah, that was fucked up on my end. I, I shouldn't have said that. Yeah. When do we let the man learn from a mistake and move on with life? Like, yeah. it's, it's very ironic to me. The people that are so adamant about, like, you need to let people learn and grow and be better are the same ones that will, like, just for all intent and purposes, just nail you to whatever cross they find relevant at the time to make them feel better just so that you don't. And that, that's where I struggle. It's like that whole idea of cancel culture. Like, okay, he, yeah, he fucked up. Like, who hasn't? I mean, did we forget about a president that literally said, grab him by the pussy? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> is, that, is, is that no longer a thing because Rogan is the new, the yeah. new bad guy in our story? <laughs> yeah, man. It's, it's, a, it's no, a messed up phenomenon. Dude, no one's perfect. Right. We're human beings. It's this idea that you're always supposed to be professional. I hate that idea. Who's professional all the time? Well, and what does professionalism really mean at the yes. end of the day? Like, if you if you start on time and end on time, if you do your job when you're on the clock, uh, I mean, what 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 do we need to have? When he does the world's largest podcast right now, yeah, um, I think I mean that's a fair statement, right? He has the world's like most listened to podcast. I think is a, probably a fair assessment. I think so, yeah, man. I think so. I mean, his viewership is bigger than all of 
traditional media. He reminded me that Neil Young was still alive. <laughs> I mean, that's how big he was. I'm like, I legit thought we lost that dude. Right. And then it's like, I'm pulling my stuff off. And yeah. I'm like, two things. One, he's alive. Two, he knows what Spotify is. I am really messed up by this. Mind you, his music is still on Spotify. That I, well, exactly. And I think if I if I read it right, it's it's not like his entire catalog. I think it's stuff that's like on movie soundtracks or collaborations that I guess he might. I, I don't know if it's like a rights to the music thing or whatever. Like company had the rights to put that up there. I think he pulled his music and put it back on. I w- I'd be curious because I've heard two different things. I've heard one, yeah. Double check. Let's find out. Dude. Yeah, let's sure. find. Yeah, we got we got the Google machine right there. Know, we can find. We got all the answers right there. I'm not as good as if I had like somebody doing it for me. <laughs> you need a Jamie. Well, yeah, because and, and here's the beauty of that. That's your right? next level. Because you and I would still be able to continue the conversation uh-huh. while somebody else is doing this. Yeah. And now I have to stop and to put my brain on this while also talking. So it's it, multitasking. it changes the conversation. This is, this is where ADD kids thrive. <laughs> I will say like that, that is, I think like the ultimate level of podcasting is if you look at Joe Rogan's model and everything, yeah. when, when you can afford a Jamie, mm-hmm. you're good. You, you started making it. You just, or yeah, or somebody who wants to just voluntarily, be that's basically Jamie. what it is. <laughs> just wants to put in the time. Jamie, look that up. Look it up. Hey, can you look it up, Jamie? My favorite is whenever he'll look it up and Joe will get an answer. He's like, I mean, but I mean, is that really accurate? <laughs> like, he'll start questioning it. It's like, Joe, I just did the thing you asked me to do. <laughs> yeah. He's, Jamie's the best. You know, I always, he, because he always called him young Jamie, you about to leave me, bro? Or you no, no, no. I'm just, I'm just a little chilly there. Ireland. Yeah, I got this for, uh, God, did I get this for Christmas? I think I got this for Christmas, yeah. And then I realized with my little, uh, little rascals paperboy hat here, I'm like, could I get any more Irish right now? I mean... Shout out to Danny O'Connor. Shout out to Danny O'Connor. <laughs> Johnny Irish himself. He's probably going to see this show and be like, you're not nearly as Irish as me. And I'll be like, I'm not going to fight you for it, dude. Neil Young couldn't remove his music from Spotify on his own. Here's why. Spotify removed. It says Al. I wonder if it's supposed to be all. All of Neil Young's songs <laughs> at his request this week after the musician demanded the platform choose between keeping his music or Joe Rogan. See, now this was on... January the 27th, though. Yeah. See, that's like a month old. I need something more. <laughs> that might be as far as it went. Recent. Yeah. <laughs> it, Spotify, me too. I, I look at it this way. The, January. At the end of the nobody, day. Nobody, everybody wrote about it for two days, and then nobody ex- wrote about it I was it just going to say again. the same thing. Everybody wrote about it. It was a big buzz thing. I'm done he, talking about it he, then. He, pull, he pulled it and then put it back up, but I'm like, at the end of the day, Neil, Neil probably had a nice little boost in it's streams listens, and downloads yeah, and listens that he didn't have. And so even if Spotify is only paying .03 cents for every stream, you know, I'm sure he made a couple grand. Good for him. Yeah, exactly. You know what? If you you found your way to be relevant for another fifteen minutes, yeah, I don't give a you shit. You know, go go do your tours. Fire up a fire up a book. Yeah, D versus Rogan, a That's tale so of funny. how I fought Spotify and won. Yeah, man. See, I've even given him the title. Yeah, so it's I'm like a ten percent royalty. So this is my plan. I'm going to share my long term plan with you. Do it, and everybody else who's listening. <laughs> like, there's only ten. There's only ten people. I was, was going to say twelve of us, but that's it. And uh, I'm just going to continue to do this. Mm-hmm. I'm 30, I'm 34 now. I'm going to continue to do this for the next 10 years. Okay. Maybe 15. Okay. And by that time, 
surely I'll have to be somewhere near the Rogan range because I'll be like in my fifties. I'll be have forty-four. Do- I'll have done this. Well, if I do it for fifteen years. Oh, 15. I'm sorry. Yeah. You did say that. Yeah, I'll be close. But yeah, but, but at ten years, forty-four. Yeah, I'll be mid forties, but fifteen be like closer to fifty. Be forty-nine. I'll have met some really interesting people, and hopefully some of those people that I meet now early on will, yes. will go on and do some epic shit. And it's like, I've known this guy for 30 years. I, I got the podcast when he talked about doing that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I got the documentation here. Check out episode number I just, 12. I just got to become 50. All the most interesting people out right now are like in their 50s. Yeah. I, I, funny enough, uh, not too long ago, when we, find, like, when we set on this day, because to, to, we were scheduled like, what, two, three times, I think? Yeah. So it was the last time when we finally coordinated this, I literally went to YouTube and looked up outside perspective. Just I'm like, what is what is Adam been talking about? And for whatever reason, I think it's just because of like my YouTube history and you know how things I've searched for, what pops up, and was like, hey, you might like this. Like the third or fourth one down was my buddy Dave Whitley when you did that show with him. Yeah. And I'm like, let me go back and listen to this because like, it's always funny to hear – Guys that I've like, you know, first off that I know, and then also have like literally mentored and coached under. And so like, you know, Dave Dave was a good mentor and friend of mine and still is. And so it was very interesting hearing what he was talking about then. And I'm like, you know, it's always interesting to hear like what's changed. Has he evolved much? And yeah, there's definitely some things that I can tell he's evolved. But man, that guy is pretty much true and authentic to himself a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. And so like he found his path, he carved that, and he is like right on that one. Yeah. Um Dave, and so like Dave's when you great. talk about guys that are like, you know, hey, I can't wait to hear what they, you know, take off to. It's like guys like that, I'm like, man, what where would he be in ten years? That'd yeah. be my next fun thing. Dude, he's great. He really is. Yeah. We hugged probably eight times. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a bear. I'm just like, dude, all right. So all this right, is a fun right, thing bye. too. At at all the kettlebell workshops, they do this drill where they talk about like irradiating tension for strength. Yeah. And sometimes they'll make you crush like a tennis ball or a water bottle that's half full. And then like you'll press a bell that's like, you know, close to your max, but you know, you're already fatigued. So it's probably actually your max now. And people get like maybe one, two reps out of it. And then they'll, irradiate this tension from one side and they'll get like three, four, five, or they'll press a new belt that they've never pressed before. One of the drills they do is they make you shake someone's hand yeah. while you press. And Dave to this day is the one person that I know nobody will fucking grip his hand because he'll just crush you. As he's pressing. <laughs> no, well, just as he's gripping your hand, yeah. he will just crush your damn hand. Right. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. And I've met some pretty strong dudes that are really good at bending and stuff. And yeah. He's like, he I, I need somebody to do the handshake to not you. And he's like, what? <laughs> He needs a grip like a two by four. Yeah, I think he probably does, and he, he by the time he's done, it's just toothpicks. Yeah, that's so funny. He's a strong human. <laughs> he is a very strong human, and he's he's got a stronger heart for what he does and how he wants to help people be better. And that's one thing I've always gravitated to that dude for. Yeah, yeah. I need to drive down there and see him. Fuck it. Let me know when you go. I'll go. We'll, we'll knock on his door. Hey, Dave. Let's, uh, let's swing some shit. Let's what jump. What are you doing? It. He's just been living the dad life. Dude, he's been kill- Yeah, he's really been enjoying that. Um, I know he's still been doing uh, some strongman shows, and I've seen some stuff recently. He's been posting a little bit more too. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I think he's starting to fire up some. Uh, like I saw, he posted the, his uh, "How to Rip a Deck of Cars" dot com. He was sharing uh, that the yep, other day. Yep, yeah, yep, yep. I remember he said I got to see that before he released it. Yeah, I did too. Yeah, it was fun. I might have I might have been one of the beta people like yourself because actually that would have been right about that time I think when you interviewed him. I think so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. So look at this. All right, I'm coming back with some shit we were just talking about. Alex Jones put this out. It's called Bohemian Grove, oh, dude. 
Man, I'll tell you what. Alex Jones is one of those dudes. I, you know how like sometimes you can watch a podcast and you can. Uh, I'm trying to. I don't want to go through this whole fucking no, you're good. long ass thing. But like sometimes when you can watch a podcast or like listen to something and you speed it up like 1.2, 1.25, or 1.5. Yeah. Just to kind of get through faster. He's the only person I've ever had to slow down. Because he speaks he like a so fast. He's like a goddamn madman. Yeah, I so- can't. I cannot follow him. I'm so glad. Like whenever he was on Rogan a couple times, Rogan was like, "Alex, Alex, Alex, you got to calm down. People can't follow that fast." Yeah. <laughs> like, thank God. Yeah. The guy who runs on it, which is all geared around human performance, like humans don't perform at this level. Alex, you're on some next level stuff. You got to dial it back a notch. Yeah, he says some crazy shit, dude. So but, what are we watching here? So okay, so I'm gonna read this. So this says the Bohemian Club. Uh-huh. An elite, invitation-only social club founded in San Francisco in 1872 by a group of male artists, writers, actors, lawyers, and journalists, all of means and interested in arts and culture. Since its founding, the club has expanded to include, include politicians and affluent businessmen. How does this say? Oh, this is a whole fucking... Oh, here's the whole article here. Yeah, fucking... Hold on. Culture, where, wait, business. The club is known especially for its annual summer retreat at what is known as Bohemian Grove in the Redwood Forest of California's Sonoma County, an event that continued into the 21st century. It says notable members over the years have included Clint Eastwood, Henry Kissinger, he's a peach smoker, Walter Cronkite, Richard Nixon, Ronald Reagan, Charles Schwab, Ambrose, I don't know who that is, how do you say that, Bersier? Uh, Bret Hart, Harte, H A R T, Hart probably. I was Mark, like, I was Mark, like, they can't be the same Bret Hart. I'm thinking, yeah, of this. <laughs> the Hitman, uh, Mark Twain, and Jack London, Henry Kissinger. I'm pretty sure is that who was Henry? Was he uh in the early? Was he a American politician? Scientist? I thought he was, I think he's a politician. Didn't he? Politician, right? Yeah, yeah, dude. I'm pretty sure he had a whole bunch of like. Here's my problem. Like, there's a lot of knowledge I realize I have in my brain, and then if you like put me on the spot. It's like, oh, no, I can't recall. But then, like, at some random-ass trivia night, I'm like, oh, no, I know this, 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 and because of all these 12 other facts that yeah, don't okay. link together, but now I remember it. All right, so I'm, I'm still not to the point. So I think this is him sneaking into the woods at this fucking... What? Yes. Okay, now <laughs> we're getting Now we're getting what somewhere, the hell? buddy. He snuck onto here. So they don't know he's here? No. Oh, that's insane. And before he did this, this was all hearsay conspiracy. Wow. Yeah, it kind of makes you wonder, like, when you really get down to it, like, you know, why don't we just get somebody in there to go check it out? Oh, they got the bagpipes, too. Yeah, bro. Man, Alex is one of those dudes that you start wondering, like, now that I see stuff like this, I'm like, what kind of shit has that dude seen? Because that would explain a lot about his personality. Yeah, I think he w- he was real fucked up with that Sandy Hook shit. I think he really He was, was really wrong for that. I think that really hurt him big time. But... 
the one of the most recent times he was on Rogan, or the last time, maybe the last time he was on Rogan, Joe kept slowing him down, right, to your yeah, point? Yeah, I remember that. And he kept having Jamie fact-check him and pull him up. And he Joe actually just mentioned this on a, on a recent podcast, why he because they were talking about yeah. Alex. He's like, and I wanted to do that because he said, because uh, I wanted people to see that he spouts off all this shit and he goes a million miles an hour, but the shit that he's talking about, he's actually researched. Yeah. And everything that he's researched, he can he can tell you where he found it and you can actually pull it up. Yeah. And that's what he kept having Jamie do. That's the, interesting. The and that is kind of cool. Yes. And there's a lot of things over the years that has come to truth. But think about this, right? So let's just I, – I try to – in my mind, I typically look at things at the most simple level. Yeah. So let's just look at the beginning of the country. It's this 13 colonies. There's not a ton of fucking people. Mm-hmm. Leadership isn't very big. We know that there are... Uh-oh. I remember my point. We'll come back to it. This is the ritual. So he's off in the woods, videoing down on the ceremony. The ceremony is here in the background. Okay, this is them. You see? Are, are the so the thing the, that's right in front of is that like someone's so, head? So he's at an angle here. Okay, so maybe yeah, yeah, if yeah. I turn it now, you can no, see. No, no, I, I got that. I'm trying to figure out like how far away because that looks like that's someone's head right in yeah, front. Yeah. So is he? The, these are people standing. This is a person walking. Like this, this shadow right here is that's the back of someone's head there. I guess this. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if that's somebody's head or if that's. I'm trying to figure out like how close is he to this? You know, it looks like he's across. He's there's a there's a there's a river there. I think he's in the woods. There's a lake or something. He's across. See that that's kind of what I'm getting at is like how dangerous was this really? Because if you think about it, like this is shit that they don't want out. Yes. No. I, I mean he's on a compound. Right. Yeah. So this is. Uh, in my mind, probably some dangerous shit, dude. I'm gonna... Yeah, yeah, you leave that there. That's good. You know what kills me about this is I'm hearing this here. I've seen a lot of like you know, church events and processions and things like this. This dude has definitely done this before. This guy that's talking right now, like, this is not his first hair. No, this is a, yeah, this is a real, yeah. This, <laughs> that, is a, that is the voice of a seasoned vet. Like, he, he's memorized this stuff, and he almost sounds like a little, all right, the sky is sown with stars and the frogs and the winds and the. Yeah, he's recited this before. Yeah. Dude, yeah, this is some wild shit, bro. Yeah, this is. So, like, I'm almost nervous to ask, but like, what ends up happening with that body? <laughs> I don't. I don't think it's an actual human. Okay. Whoa. Oh shit. Oh, and now we got the commercial. <laughs> I will say this is I the, the one of the biggest thanks I have on YouTube is I I'm very thankful for Cobra Kai for giving me YouTube Premium. That I totally forgot to cancel. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I still. I got screwed up. Whenever it's like, oh, it's on Netflix now. All right. Well, I, 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 like, yet, I like no ads. Yeah, I've yet to get it. You shall burp. What? 
I think it's like a. What is that like, laughing? It's like a play of some sort. What the fuck? This is like a whole ritual, like play. The fuck? Oh, if this is a play, this is like some Shakespeare in the Park shit. They need to hire some good actors here. No. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just ripping on it now. No. Oh, I was like, <laughs> this is some weird-ass shit, It bro. is some very weird-ass shit, but, like, I think no. we need to get, like, Benedict Cumberbatch up on there for the lead. A, no, no, no. Who's uh, – did you ever watch Sherlock? Andrew Scott, the guy who played uh, – Is it a show? Yeah. No, I never watched it. So there, there's a British actor who – I'll send you a link to it, but he has one of the best – what the shit. Oh, yeah, so he's in the crowd here. Oh, wow. Okay, so I answered my question. He is really close to some action. That's a hidden camera. So this is a whole – this is a whole ceremonial play, I guess, for this club. Yep. the pain of how they died and from this extract some type of mystical energy force or power and also be able to tell the future so the, the list of people wow. like Clint Eastwood and such are in this group <laughs> the fuck up. dude and that's just elites so my point I'm gonna have to watch this whole thing I'm gonna, have to, I'm gonna go back and, and spend an hour and a half watching this sometime <laughs> um my point is, so if you think back to, let's just say, the beginning mm -hmm. of the formation of the United States, right? Mm -hmm. We know that there was a small group of men, I don't know, let's call it 100 dudes. I, yeah. don't, I don't know how many it was, 100 people. Maybe even 50. Yeah, right? And they all worked with, those were effectively now the leaders and what we would call today the elites okay. of society. Yeah. Right? They're all going to work with each other, talk to each other. I think we, as as things grow, mm -hmm. they're going to continue to kind of work with each other, talk with each other. We know that there's been other families that have like immigrated to the United States, yes. built massive empires, inserted themselves also into like this elite status. My point is, even as the country's grown, mm -hmm. there's... That that group at the top, because I mean, who I, I think we can probably all agree there is that group at the top, right? Yeah, I think that's fair. Right, and they yeah. all they all probably for the most part work with each other, talk with each other. Yeah, Bernie Sanders was trying to tax them all, know each other, right? Right, because <laughs> it started small. Yep, and I don't know how big it is today, but it's still proportionately small. Yeah, especially when you think of like total world population versus them. Right. You know, yeah, it's it's very it's it's got to be a very small percentage of the population. Yeah, dude. But what's funny like when you think of like how it would grow, I the, the key word there was scale because it's like, well, I don't know how many there are, how much they talk to each other. Man, again, with like messaging apps left and right, they probably have their own little system or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's probably chat rooms, I'm sure there's WhatsApp groups or or something equivalent of that. 
Something. That they could probably all just, like, drop stuff in. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and then that's, I've gone, that we talk about conspiracies, mm-hmm. you know, go down that, that whole rabbit hole and shit. But you see shit like this, and yeah. that's just elite small groups of people. You look at Hollywood, that's a very small community, Hollywood, actually. They just mm-hmm. have a mega fucking microphone, bro. Like, if you ever, have you been to L.A. before? No, I haven't, actually. I went to San Francisco years ago. I haven't actually, I didn't get to make it over to L.A. Okay, but, like, when you go to these places mm-hmm. that maybe you've only seen through TV or some yeah. shit, you go there, and, and it's not the same. No. It's not this big, grand, magnificent thing. Especially, no. especially you know, Hollywood, L.A. is, is, is kind of a, it's it's super cool, like, place to go visit, but... Yeah. At least for me, maybe this is just my experience when I went there. It's, it's kind of underwhelming in the fact that it's not this yeah. huge magnificent. It's, it's like it's just a place. Yes, you know what I'm saying. Chicago was that way for me because yeah. I thought it would be way bigger, more grandiose than it was. And we get there, and it's like, oh, it's just it's just as crowded. And I mean, it, it's it are it is bigger than St. Louis, but it's like there's a lot of similarity to it. Where it's like, oh, this is not. I don't know. I thought it'd be yeah, yeah. different. Our imagination yeah. builds these things up. Yes. And then we go visit them and it brings it into reality. And yeah, I think Hollywood 100%. is yeah, Hollywood's kind of one of those places that are it's it's supercharged when it comes to our imagination. It's mm-hmm. amplified that much yeah. more, right? Cuz that's what we see on TV and sh- and movies and all these things. We just have all these images and st- and, yeah. the, and the people there are are projected as larger than life because that's what makes them stars, right? Yes. And and I wonder how much like because we because People, when they're crafting things for entertainment purposes, realize, like, what do people really want to see? Well, let's give them that, but let's, like, let's dial it up a notch. You know, mm. it's, I always think of, in, in a weird way, um, you know, whatever Dwayne Johnson talked about, what it was like going from Dwayne Johnson to The Rock. Yeah. It's the same dude, but turned up to 11. And so I wonder, like, how much of, like, the movie and the media magic that takes a city and makes it look like like LA looks like this grand and glorious place and then you get there and you're like this is kind of a shithole. Uh, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, you know, I, or Chicago, it was like, oh, okay, I mean, I could see the allure to it, but for the most part it's like it's it's another big city. Right. Yeah. You know, I've heard people say that about New York all the time. Exactly. So, the idea that so so my point is that when you look at LA, you, you think that it's more than it is. So, yeah. it's this whole big thing, but really it's just like a small group of people. You yeah. know what I mean? There's only so many studios, there's only so many uh, studio heads. There's only so many, you know, executives. It's a small community. Very much. You, you so, hear yeah. actors talk about it all the time. You piss off one person, now you'll never fucking work again. Yeah. Type stuff. So, <laughs> so you think about it. So that's a small community, and a lot of those small community is a lot of that community is doing weird shit like that yeah. and worshiping the devil and crazy shit. And it's like fuck, dude. And yeah, then how tight is that community with? Like the political community and all this other shit. Right. I wonder how <laughs> how tight do they need to be to be able to pull some of that shit off of some of those communities too. Like, I don't know, man. How many friends? How many have a lot of like friends that are you know? Yeah. Wearing 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 blue and have a badge on and yeah. You know that that's the other thing too is like to pull off shit like this like you you gotta have a few resources to at least get around a few things or at least okay well you know we're gonna we're gonna mind our p's and q's for a while and then like no one's looking all right let's go nuts right. Well, have you seen those things about the CIA and some of the some of the experiments that they did with um, like MK Ultra and trying to do like mind control and I remember hearing a lot, especially in the world of like psychedelics, um, where they would do stuff and then it turned out when uh, God, I'm paraphrasing the LSD one, but like somebody had cued me into something where it was like the CIA tried experimenting with LSD for mind control, but then they found that when people took it, they were actually harder to control. 
Oh, really? Or like it was something like that. I'm I'm butchering that. I yeah. know I am, but it's something along those lines. Yeah. I, I, well, either way, I'll they, hunt that down. They later. had the experiment. It was the MK Ultra mm-hmm. land, right? When the part of that was yeah, like doing mind control and shit like that, and and a lot, and they paired that with Hollywood mm-hmm. and and some of the information that they put out there and i can't remember the name of the fucking operation but they did do something with lsd where um i believe yeah. it's in san francisco it's, it's actually in this book down here called chaos where they talk a lot about that how oh yeah, yeah. The cia and lsd and i think it was manson and mm-hmm. um and those experiments or those that that what they did was they would um, dose Johns with LSD because they were coming mm-hmm. to this um, like this brothel yeah to, to for like a hooker and they would watch them through a two way mirror and record them unbeknownst to the John and, right. and they got you know dosed with LSD so dude the government has been doing sort certain people and organization you know within organizations of the government have been studying and doing this kind of shit I think there's always that. There's a lot of fuckery going on. Exactly. There's there's point. always a subset of people that are always going to do something fucky. Yeah, dude. Um, and and it, it's one of those things where, too, like, I struggle in a lot of places uh, with when you have a certain thing that you want to try and keep intact or pure, like, especially on, like with anything you see online, I almost start wondering, like, how long before this gets tainted, you know? And so it's like you have... Uh, the idea of you have something that could be really meaningful to someone or really like special, like, and I'll just give you an example of like Disney, you know, cause you hear all the conspiracies about Disney and subliminal messages they put in and how like they're trying to reprogram and rewire us. And I'm like off the hip, it seems really pure and magical and it's just a kid friendly thing. And they're like, no, the Disney's kind of fucked up at the end of the day. Uh, and so like I, in my head, like I think of stuff like that and it's like, did it start out that way or was it always started out to be the other thing and it was always nefarious, right? That's where I struggle sometimes with, was this always the intent and the design or did someone take the reins and said, I could use this for this now. And all it takes is just a little, we're going to shoot a shift it off course that way. And it's a completely different direction over time. <laughs> so I, I wonder, and then you start looking at things you're involved in, like, you know, Hey, when, when will jujitsu have fuckery in it? does it already i mean who knows you know you make a great point <laughs> that's a great question I, I i i sincerely wonder sometimes like when you uh like even in groups of fitness or groups of um you know life coaches that i've known like when you see all these different like you know at one point i, I took a couple courses on nlp well, how long before i found out that the guy who created nlp was really like a well-known pedophile or something like that and i go Fuck, now I got this on my head. Um, you know, and, and that's I, – I found myself going down that rabbit hole a long time ago, and I've had to really, like, kind of dial the reins back, cause especially with my ADD brain. I'll just research the shit out of it and be like, what do I need to do? Oh, right, make biscuits for tonight. Like, I'll forget, <laughs> I'll forget stuff like that and be yeah. like, what was I doing with my life? Oh, right, I forgot the dinner. Or pizza this. Um, Fuck, dude. Yeah, and so, like, I wonder, like, you know, oh, man, when is that going to happen? But – uh, you know, it, it's it's really really easy to fall down those rabbit holes. It is, um, which is part of the reason why they're so fun too. That's <laughs> what we've been talking about for the last hour. Exactly, it, that's how it started. Was I started with the question of like, hey, what's your favorite one? <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, as anything grows, there's always room for fuckery. It's, and, I agree. And someone's probably always going to do it. Well, and again, just like what we're talking about with Rogan, it's like you know. How much have we heard about like cancel culture in the last like just two to three years? Yeah, and it's it's been building and building and building to where now it's just faster, it's more efficient. Um, because again, I can send a tweet out 
and I can get big influential people like Dwayne Johnson to say, hey, Joe Rogan's going under attack for blah, blah, blah. And he's like, nah, Joe's doing his thing. He's great. And then, hey, Joe said the N-word 27 times in this clip here. He goes, oh, that's messed up. Forget you, Joe. And that happened in the course of a week. <laughs> and really, I would argue it happened in the course of two minutes. Yeah. Not even. Yeah. It's interesting. It's interesting. Everybody's just trying to say the right thing. And and I think everyone's just trying to get noticed. That That's what's really interesting is everybody just wants to be noticed. Of, I was the guy that brought Joe Rogan down. Or I was the guy that I brought this information to life. Yeah. And then you're forgotten 15 minutes later. Yeah. This is why I've been feeling very uh, disenfranchised when it comes to social media. I just don't want to do it. Yeah. I... I like, and again, I sell the stuff. <laughs> I, I, sell, I sell how to market to business and stuff. But me personally, it's like I understand that there are certain, I don't want to say necessary evils, but there are certain things that like if you want to get the name out, there are certain things that have to be done somehow, some way. I don't like calling them evils because, again, I don't think marketing in and of itself is inherently good or evil. It's just it's the just, reality of the world. Yeah, it's like if you want brand awareness, you got to do something. Like whether you're hitting the streets with flyers like they did back in the day mm-hmm. or you're doing door-to-door knock, hey, here's my vacuum, right? I mean, it. those are all marketing efforts that have just evolved. Um, the company I worked for was around for 100 years. Years ago, you, the joke I used to have is their original social media banners were like ads on the sides of trains. So that was social media back in the day. It's true. So, you know, it, it does evolve over time. And you might not get a banner ad for, you know, three weeks until the train comes back in town with the supply run. Mm-hmm. You know, now it's like I'm over here playing Candy Crush. And, oh, hey, there's an advertisement for Jiu-Jitsu. Or, hey, there's Adam's podcast. I'll click that off there. And, oh, you know, I'll finally listen. Yeah. You know? And so it's just interesting how things evolve. But, yeah, for for people to do that and really get their name out there, it is something that at some point they're going to have to buckle down and learn. Yeah. You just got to do it. Um, I, I will say I kind of in that same breath, it is frustrating when I hear, you know, people talking about, man, I need to get like membership up or I need more clients or I need more customers or whatever. And go, Hey, are you marketing somehow? And I'm not even looking to make a sale. I'm just offering like, Hey, what are you doing? Can I help? Like just give you some advice or pointers on some things. You can do pretty low cost. You don't have to hire anybody. And they're like, yeah, I don't really do too kindly without their advertising stuff. And I'm like, dude, you're 27. What the hell? <laughs> like, come on, old grandpa. <laughs> like, I'm literally 10 years older than you, and I understand, like, you're you're behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that kind of stuff frustrates me. I'm like, why are people still stuck in this mindset of, you know, I don't want to grow? But that's really the – they just don't have a growth mindset. Um, well, you know, also, here's the thing, though. When I think about – marketing how it used to be and how it is today did you we're in a place now it seems that you have to create more marketing material than ever before marketing is yes you know what i'm saying yeah content creation is almost more valuable than the marketing itself well and it used to be that say you made a really sick ass commercial Uh and you could just you could run that ad for Three months, six months, maybe even a year, a year, yeah, and get a lot out of that commercial. Oh yeah. Now, no way. No, you got no like, you got a way. week tops. Well, you probably got more than that. Maybe two. But you got <laughs> but but you say but okay, let's just say you're running that one for ninety days. Even while that one's running, you can't rely only on that, right? Maybe you got like a week or two of heavy. Like, maybe that's what I'm getting. At. Yeah. yeah, you you, but you, you put but, it out and kind of chill for a minute and be like, all right, back to the drawing. But board. guess what? Yeah, within another week or two, you need to have something else running yeah. simultaneously now. Absolutely. And something new. You know who, uh, as soon as you said, like, you have a really good commercial you can rely on for a while, you know the first company that came to mind? Did you ever see the first Dollar Shave Club commercial years ago? It's got this guy walking around in a warehouse, and 
it starts off with him. It's like, hi, I'm Mike, owner of Dollar Shave Club. And it's very, like, informative. And he goes, you know, are razors good? No. And he goes to a sign. And literally, as he's walking, there's a sign on the wall that says, our razors are fucking great. <laughs> and then the rest of the commercial gets this weird little comedic twist that just gets a little more absurd every 15 seconds. Really? And at one point, like, he's in a cart, like, on, like, those little – um uh it's not even like a forklift per se, but it, it kind of looks like that where you've got this worker, Alejandra, and Mike is driving the truck and he goes, you know, and we also help with it with the unemployment too. Alejandra, where were you last week? Not working. Where are you this week? Working. I'm just, I'm no Rockefeller, but this train moves hay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dying because it's getting more and more absurd with like, like he just, you know, takes a machete and chops the, the packing tape and they cut it. That's clearly not done. And it hits this like giant fuzzy bear that just appears out of nowhere. That's hilarious. And he's like, I can't even see the package, but he knows it's there. And, and it's, it's a hilarious commercial, but it was so basic and simple and it's approach. And I remember thinking years ago, I'm like, man, if I had a gym, I want to do a gym tour commercial. That was very similar to that. Just because I like the idea of like, yeah, you know, are our trainers good? No, nah, they're fucking great. Just, <laughs> That's fucking hit them right up. between the eyes with what we have. That's awesome, dude. It was so clever and so simple. And dude, I bet you in some case they'll probably still reshare that stuff. And yeah, like, yeah, the commercial that kicked it all off twelve years ago. Well, that's the hope that you get. You make yeah. something that just hits like that, right? Yeah, then you return on that. The, you know, third time on the show, this might be the episode for you. This is it. <laughs> Fuck yeah, bro. maybe maybe you gotta have like just people come back and just re-update once in a while. Yeah. You know, I, I will say I I found myself very irritated with myself last time on the show. Why? Okay, so, you know, like when you go back and listen to it or like a uh, great example, watch old competition footage of yourself. Mm-hmm. Just watch footage of yourself or listen to yourself years ago and go, what was I doing? You know, I don't know if I had like an extra cup of coffee or an energy drink before I came in, but I was like, I, I was listening to that episode probably two, three months ago. And I remember just like I'm typing, I'm doing some stuff, listening to the background, and I stopped and I just looked at the screen and go, "Why am I laughing at my own jokes like a fucking asshole?" <laughs> and and I'm just sitting here just cracking up at myself, laughing. And I and I mean we were engaging, and so it was like I would crack something, we would both laugh. I don't know if I was just getting picked up more in the mic or if I'm just more conscious of that now where I, I try not to be that guy that laughs at my own shit. You can't laugh at your own shit, bro. I, I do, but if I don't, don't do it like – I, I do it genuinely now. I felt like – in and maybe it's just like I've done more stuff on like how to like do better public speaking mm-hmm. kind of court. Like I've been a little bit more f- comfortable in those settings now to where I feel like in some cases like maybe back at that time I did that to try and force a reaction – where now I just kind of let it happen more authentically. Yeah. And that was what I noticed I was doing. And, and again, I don't even – it might just be me now being overcritical. But looking back at it, I remember thinking, like, that joke wasn't funny. Shut up. <laughs> like, what, what am I doing here? I'm sure that's a part of it. I think that is too. And it, it is just us being hypercritical of things yeah. in the past. But I hate listening to myself. Although it's, it's useful information. I, I did uh, – I actually – as I was listening to that, cause we were talking about how I started beekeeping at that time. Yeah. I did pick up two or three things. I'm like, Oh shit. I forgot. I did that. That was a good tip. And so I wrote that down. Are you still beekeeping? I do actually, I lost, uh, the hive that I had this last year, they were good. And then I think it, same thing that happened to me last season, those cold snaps in February, fucked them all up. just messed them all up. And so I'm going to do something a little different this year. Uh, I, I'm going to go back to what I did the very first year I started beekeeping but I'm going to super insulate the hive and I've, I'm working with a different, I don't say different mentor. I'm working with a couple different mentors now 
And when it gets time to winterize, I'm going to follow what this one guy has been doing for like literally 50 years. Uh, he started beekeeping in like back in like the 70s, I think, 60s, 70s, somewhere in there. And it's it's this old guy up in Ohio named Bob Parsons, and he makes this like herbal treatment that keeps bees super clean and productive. Pests hate that. Like you, you put the stuff like kind of on an area where they'll walk in and out of the hive, right? And so then they track that all throughout because it's like an oil-based product. It's not harmful to the bees at all. But mites and other um, other beetles that'll like get in there absolutely hate the smell, and so he's had so many crazy ass stories of people at small boutique and commercial apiaries and bee farms, right? That just have this wild success. Like honey production goes through the roof with this stuff, and so I'm like, okay, I'm gonna try something completely different. Fuck the books. Fuck what Google says. I'm going to just touch base with this guy once every couple weeks. And I'm going to say, this is what I'm doing. Here's where we're at. What do you recommend? And then right about wintertime, like, or not wintertime, but right about probably September, October, when we get ready to start winterizing for the fall, I know I'm going to be feeding them and getting like sugar supplies up and getting the honey reserves up as much as I can and really babying them. But I want to leave them with just a metric ass ton of honey in that hive to see if they last the winter and then insulate the shit out of it. Mm. And then see if they can get them last. Because second year bees will always produce more. Because they've got everything drawn out. They've got everything ready to go. If your queen survives, then yeah, she'll she'll get right to work whenever flowers come up. How the hell did you find that guy? By complete accident. It was it was uh, the guy that I originally started mentoring with down in Farmington. He uses that same extract or that same uh, the treatment. Uh-huh. And I've just been the kind of guy. And funny enough, going back to Dave Whitley for a second, the reason that I've always been um, – I'll always when I geek out over something, I will find somebody who is like the man or the expert in that field, right? And I will search that person out. And so, um, my buddy Mick was like, "Yeah, I get this stuff. It's called Parsons Gold." So I start searching around Parsons Gold, Parsons Gold, couldn't find it. And I'm like, "All right, well, there's got to be a number out there somewhere." And so, just Mick, do you got the guy's number? And he goes, no, no, I don't think I have it. And I don't know if he, would, like, just didn't realize he did or if it was, like, I'm trying to keep this hush-hush kind of thing. Because, like, everyone has that little secret they don't want anyone to know. I'm like, why not? Like, it just makes everyone better if you just do it. Yeah. If it's really that good, just share it. I always ask a person if I can give out their number before I do. And, yeah, and that was the other thing. So I ended up finding this guy's information on um, – <laughs> literally was an ad – in a book of beekeeping supplies. It's like, I mean, you're talking like the old catalog style wow. mail order ads. And I'm like, this can't be the same guy. And I called him and go, hello, this is Bob. And I'm like, holy shit, this is the guy. It's crazy. And what was funny is, it, I, I've joked with him on about this as well to him, like when he and I chat. Um, he always does this thing where he'll say, listen, I only got about 15 minutes, but I'll answer your question. And about 90 minutes later, we're getting off the phone. And, and so there was one night where literally I said, hey, Bob, you got 10, 15 minutes. I can just ask you a couple questions just to get started. I, I don't want to take up too much of your time. He goes, oh, I'm, I'm really busy. I got all this here, but I, I, I can give you 15. All right, cool. We were on the phone for two and a half hours. Uh, you got to talk about his passion. <clears throat> oh, yeah. And he has all these crazy stories of like things he's seen and done. And like I'm literally just taking notes. My wife came down and was handing me dinner. And she's like, are you still on the phone with Bob? And I'm like, yeah, he's still going. She's like, that's been an hour. I'm like, shut up. I've got notes, woman. <laughs> I had like four pages of notes I oh, took. Oh, shit, dude. And she's like, oh, you weren't kidding. Like, you legit took 
Yeah. Like, that was a class you just took, yeah. apparently. Dang, dude. That's and then cool. my favorite part is she asked me, what did you ask him that kicked this off? And I went, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was like a year ago, babe. I mean, I've... But every time he opens his mouth, it's like you're, you're drinking from a fire hydrant. Yeah, it's just knowledge. And so... Well, and, and Dave was the same way because... I had a question about a product, and there was a program question, and I thought, this is going to sound silly, but in the back of the manual that he sends out for this thing, or it had like a little thing for customer service, call this number, mm-hmm. or email um, like Iron Tamer Dave at Gmail, or whatever it was at the time, and I thought, eh, screw it. I'll just, I'll I'll give the number a call, and it's like, hello, it's David. And I go, oh, I wasn't expecting to get the guy. He goes, yep, turns out I am customer service. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's like, oh, well, all right, so I'll just call the dude. Right to the source, baby. Yeah, just go right to the source. And I think that that is one of the things I really kind of miss, going back to the media thing. I miss being able to just go right to the source of stuff. Yeah. You know, I I, I, I don't know. I, I forget why I got on that particular tangent, but it's like I, I think uh, maybe this is my own little PSA. If you really just want to know something, just go to the place where you heard it in the first place and see if you can find it from there. Because mm-hmm. you're right. Like, you know, ask, like, hey, can I give this number, guy's number out? Because – if it's going to help people, why not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, anyway, so I've got I, – I did order a couple hives from him this year. Yeah. And I thought, I'm just going to do everything from this guy for one year and just see what happens. Will that extract change the flavor of the honey? No, it does not. It, uh, it doesn't change the flavor of it um, because it doesn't really have much of a it, – it's weird because it has, like, some herbal extracts in it that, like, I guess pests hate, but it's not strong enough that it, like – infuses into the honey or you would smell it because mm-hmm. honey is a pretty strong smell by itself when you're yeah. like especially when you get a bunch of it um but what i have noticed is that there are different treatments in there like if you have like um like varroa bites which they can really wreck a hive and i mean they'll kill the shit out of your bees there's strips that you put down i think it's called apivar and from what i've been told i haven't had to use it yet but i've heard that like if you use that you cannot I mean, you don't really want to use that honey because it just smells bad. Mm. Um, and it makes sense because the stuff stinks. Like, if you put that in the hive, it's, yeah. I mean, you're, you're fumigating that thing and getting those pests out. Mm. But if you want to keep a healthy colony, sometimes you have to do that in order to, like, say, hey, listen, we're not going to harvest anything that we're going to use. Yeah. Um, I've heard some people will put it aside, and then they'll try to reintroduce it back to them and let them eat their own honey kind of thing. Um so I've heard a couple different theories on how to handle that stuff. Some people say you can just pasteurize it and heat it and it kills the flavor. I haven't screwed with that stuff. So that's that to me right now, that's a lot of maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. Mm-hmm. I don't say old wives tale or hearsay because I'm sure people have had different experiences. I haven't had to do that yet. Yeah. Um, but I also cheat. I don't do a lot of the extraction. I have that little plastic flow frame. I put the key in, I turn, and it comes out on the tap. So the smell of the honey is an indicator of how good it is? Or yeah, cause, I mean, it can be. Yeah, because especially if it's like uh, so, I've never, I've never come across honey that smells bad. That's probably because they don't sell bad honey. The only, t- yeah, well, that's too. <laughs> the only time I've really ever noticed a bad smell, and it wasn't one I had. There's a buddy of mine up in uh, Columbia. Uh, he started doing a little backyard operation, and he had two colonies. Which I told him, if you're going to do it, just start with two colonies because you can. If one's doing really well and one's not, you could take some resources and move it over. But. We opened it up, and because I've been doing some home brewing stuff, like learning how to make mead, and I've even done like a couple like batches of like home beer, mm-hmm. which I definitely prefer the mead. It's one less work, and I'm all about like I like doing the stuff that's like I can be really good with not having to do a lot of the stuff. Yeah, that's why I love barbecue too. It's like it's a lot of hurry up and wait. <laughs> that's true. So I but love you, those approaches. But if you right? do it right, if you do it right, it's magical. Oh, man. But if you try to rush it, you do too much stuff. It's like you feel like you're stressing yourself out. You're like, was it really that much better? Yeah. You know, 
Um, but we opened it up and I could just smell like, you know, when something's fermenting that kind of not vinegary like smell, but you can start to, yeah. It's kind of pungent. Yeah. Like kombucha, right. Or that it, it has that kind of yeah. alcoholic. Yeah. I like that smell though. Kick. Yeah. But, but honey it, shouldn't smell like that. No. Well, unless you're making mead, mm-hmm. which I took one smell. I go, oh dude, you got a pest problem. Mm. He's like, how can you tell? I'm like, because I know that smell whenever I'm making mead. So you know it's fermenting. And I could tell it was fermenting. And so sure enough, we looked around there and hive beetles, when they like, you know, will like run around, they'll defecate all over the place. Well, that will cause the honey to ferment because they have a natural yeast about them. Oh. And so in, it's not so much the beetle, it's the larva that's the problem because they'll just munch through everything and they're shitting all over the place and that caused the fermentation. Well, then when they drop down to the ground, the beetles crawl back up in, and then they do their business, and you could just have beetles all over the place. Oh, shit. And that's a pain in the ass. Um, I had a small problem with that, but apparently they make fun little traps that you can kind of bait them to fall in with, like, mineral oil, and they're like, oh, this is awesome, and then they drown. Fuck you, beetle. Exactly. (laughs) It's like, and... (laughs) Uh, So... But now they're all dead anyway, so it doesn't matter. Fuck them all, Fuck them all, man. Um... Yeah, I'm excited though. That's that's something I really wanted to get good at this year. Was like I wanted to drill down on that and make sure I can like do that on on the regular. But I've also got a whole bunch of like just I want to clean up my yard. I want to clean up stuff and just have like a really nice. I don't want to say like homesteading kind of house, but like start to do more of that. Grow my own vegetables. Get some blueberries. I've got three elderberry plants on the side of my house. Hopefully they all pop fruit this year. In which case I'm like, oh sweet, immunity gummy time. You got chickens. <laughs> Not yet. My wife will not allow chickens. Oh, really? We just got a dog, and I'm very – that was a win for me to get the dog. Was it? Yeah. It, it, it was funny is my cousin used to keep chickens literally like three blocks from where I live. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, come on. He did it. She's like, I don't want chickens. Just a few. I, I only need what – what's the minimum amount of chickens you need to like really have a consistent stream of eggs or – In my mind, I'm not, I don't have any basis for this number, but mm-hmm. in my mind, I think three chickens. Is a good number of chickens. I, I'm, I'm sure I'm gonna get ripped apart, but I'm, I was gonna say five. Yeah, well, my, my well, five would be good. I really want six. Why not twelve? <laughs> I like even. I like, <laughs> Let's just keep adding. To it. I like even numbers. <laughs> That's right. Okay, I can give you that. Yeah, but I'm thinking uh, like if you. The only thing I did notice was uh, my cousin had this issue where he had a really really loud rooster. Yeah, and so it's like right at about five a.m. Do you it need was, a rooster? I think you need a rooster. Do you? I think you need. I mean, I mean it would make sense, right? Does it for for mating and for eggs? Right? Well, no, because here's the thing: the the hens are gonna lay the eggs regardless. And the thing. And oh, okay. That's just if you want like chicks. Yeah, yeah, and okay. they're just not gonna be fertilized. So see, I that's think the beauty. I think it's one of those things where if you're gonna go on that route, if you're gonna start getting chickens, like I think at some point you need to have that available to where like okay, we could start with three, but then mm-hmm. we have to have a few hatch, make a few more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want to breed them. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then eventually, like, don't they stop laying eggs at some point? And that's when they become, like, you know, barbecue. You, you buy a new one. Yeah. Yeah, you should probably. <laughs> yeah, but that motherfucker's loud, dude. Fuck that that rooster. It Well, that that one, yeah. But, I mean, like, when the when the hens stop laying. Oh, you're going to eat them? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's barbecue shit right there. For sure. That's that's homemade KFC. Of course. Right. <laughs> of course. I'm eating the liver. Yeah, exactly. What do you call this chicken? Well, that one's Betsy. What's, <laughs> a, what's that one? Original recipe, and that's extra crispy. Yeah, you're not supposed to name them, but no. if, if you name them that, though. I give them a number. That's as far as I'll go. <laughs> I'll literally, like, stamp, like, a, a very, like, safe coating of, like, you are number 12. Yeah. Yeah. I want chickens. See, chickens, I would not be opposed to, but I think I need to I need to lock down bees first. Yeah, do your bee thing. I, I need to get bees down because I, I look at it this way. Honey is one of those things that I don't know if like people are just afraid of getting stung so much that like I don't want to fuck with bees. Yeah. But I know enough people that have done chickens and a few other 
um, like homesteading projects where they do like vegetables and fruits and stuff like that. I'm like, I think I could get a little community of like bartering for honey. Here yeah, there. trade. Yeah, absolutely. Because I'm pretty sure my honey is more expensive than your eggs. For sure. Unless I just don't have enough of it, and in which case you beat me by volume. But if you have enough, then it's just fair trade. That's what I'm saying. Like, and I know enough people that like we've we've had this dream of getting like sustainable communes for a while. Like, hey, we're just gonna go move down and do this. But I'm like, that's a lot of work. Like, there's a there's a lot of stuff that goes into this. But that's a lot of commitment to the community. If, if I can get like some stuff at a farmer's market where we can barter some shit off, like I'm cool there too. Yeah, I'll settle. Yeah. Um. But eventually, I do want to get blueberries in my backyard. That'd be dope. That would be really fun. That'd be real cool. Um, plus, I've heard blueberry fla- uh, blueberry honey mm-hmm. is amazing. Mm. I have not tried that yet, but I definitely need to put that on the list. That sounds delicious. So my friend down in uh, down south in Missouri, he has a massive property that his dad owns. And he has, like I think, five or ten colonies of, of bees down there. One of the areas is just almost pure clover. So there's just pure clover honey that's always in that box. And then down a little bit further on the property, he's got, I think he said he planted blackberries last fall or last summer, I mean. So there's going to be a whole bunch of blackberry honey because those are, I think those all have flowers as well. And then I think he said he's going to start doing blueberries and do the same thing. And I went, shit, man, you want to start trading some jars of like specifics here? Because I have like dreams of like making mead with like that. Like if I do a blueberry mead, I want to do blueberry honey in there. Mm. And I'm I'm very like I gotta try this at least once. You're about to be a mead and honey salesman. I should be. Yeah, that's totally. I, your if I could have like if I could just do like just the mead thing, I have I have pipe dreams of like have a have a big ass farm. Mm-hmm. Actually, I don't even have to be that farm. That Why big, is like, it pipe dreams? It's goals, bro. It, it's really what it is. It's a, it's a dream I just haven't taken action yet on. There you go. Yeah, um, but get a couple acres bunch of like flowering plants and, and vegetables and fruits and stuff and then like put the bee boxes near like all the flowering plant all the flowering fruit plants or whatever mm-hmm. and just let that boom yeah harvest that take the honey sell the honey off have just a just buckets and buckets and stuff on reserve and be like mm-hmm. all right it's january let's start making meat for christmas <laughs> just put that stuff in a big five gallon batch on the side and be like all right time to bottle that'd be cool that would be fun yeah, bro. So I did teach my kids how to make ginger ale the other day. Oh, really? That was fun. I don't even think I know how to make that. It's simple, man. You just you just chop ginger, and you ha- if you look up how to make a ginger bug, it's more intimidating than it really is because mm-hmm. you think it's a lot of steps. It's just take some clean water, a bunch of sugar, and some ginger, and just let it go. Just let it. Once that starts fermenting, then you make like a ginger tea, and you put the bug into the tea after it cools down, and then it ferments off those last bits of sugar that's in there, uh-huh. and you're done. How long does that take? Three days. Oh, uh, once it gets kicked off, I would say maybe start to finish, probably about a week. Okay. Because you want, like, once you bottle it, you want those swing top bottles. Mm-hmm. You got to let them sit on the uh, the countertop at room temperature, and mm-hmm. then when you're ready, you get it fizzy enough, pop it in the fridge. Yeah. Because then it's like it'll cool it down. It's like the perfect level of carbonation, okay. but it's it's naturally carbonated. Right. There's no other From the sugar. Yes. Yeah. I used to make kombucha. It's it's the same process. Similar basically. process. Yeah, it's very similar process. It's just you're using ginger and sugar instead of a scoby. Yeah. So, which I need to start doing kombucha because that's that I've heard too many good things about. And I'm like, how have I not done this now? It's just such a pain in the ass to keep up. Really? That's why I say I used to. Ah, that's fair. Because <laughs> I know, like, uh, when I make mead, like, taking some of the yeast out of the bottom and washing that to reuse it. Yeah. That gets to be a pain in the ass. It's just whether or not you're going to be habitual about it. You know I think mean? that's the true thing, too. Because otherwise, it's just going to just sit there. Like, the scoby's just going to sit there. So, how often do you, I mean, do you have to, like, make. Like, I, I guess the question is, like, how much did you make at a time and, like, how much do you feel like you need to make at a time to make it, like, a habitual thing where did you – would you do, it like, every month, every 
couple weeks? Like, how I, would, I would what would be a good a, rotation? It just depends on the person. Like, for me, I just made a gallon at a time. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I would just make a gallon at a time. And then I, I was kind of experimenting with, like, flavors. Okay. You know, putting different fruits in there strawberries strawberries took really well to it cucumbers different things okay letting it sit in there and and kind of change the flavor and it was cool but it's just the thing you know once you make it and then you bottle it you pretty much need to start making the next one immediately that's fair and i just was never really good about continuing the cycle eventually i just stopped it and then you start and then you come to the the restart point and I got to restart the process over yeah. again, which you're always restarting the process. But now when, I, now when I'm restarting the process, now I'm waiting. So there's yeah. like that dry period. I just didn't have the discipline to do it. That's one thing that I, I've gotten a little bit, I've kind of backed off of like doing stuff with mead where like, I'll do like a big batch here and there. Yeah. Um, like I'm going to do one today because it's just a flavor that my wife really gets a kick out of. And it's stupid simple. You just basically take like, Ocean spray grape juice, mm-hmm. honey, and then drop the yeast in, and you're done. Oh, nice. and just mix all that together, and then it's literally done in about maybe two to three weeks. Simple, very simple, and it comes out hot. So it's like it's. She doesn't like a lot of red wines, but this is just sweet enough that she's like, "Oh man." <laughs> <laughs> so she goes and gets all white girl wasted with that shit. Um, but what's really funny is that like I start getting into these rotations where I'm like, "Okay, I gotta do this. I gotta do this," and then I I kind of back off for a while, and I don't have anything. I'm like, "All right, cool." And then right about the time I start bottling stuff that's been kind of sitting in the basement for a while, it's like, well, that one's free. I have to do one now, and I don't because <laughs> I don't even drink that much. Mm-hmm. And so, like, half the time I have, like, bottles that are just sitting in the basement that don't really do much. Or I give them to friends or, like, friends will come over and we'll have some then. Yeah. And that's really how I get rid of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But, yeah, I mean, overall, it's a fun thing. And I think what I like about it the most is that, you know, kind of going back to, like, you know, the thing of, like, you know, with barbecue. Why do I love barbecue so much? It's a lot of hurry up. It's weight. But you always almost have people come over, and so it's, it becomes a very communal yes. thing. And it's something like you know, if you have like good food and good drinks on the table, like you don't really have too many people aren't pissed off. It's all about community, exactly. And so I'm a sucker for stuff like that. Like that's that's my one little feels <laughs> that I'll share with people. It's like, oh man, we haven't seen you forever. All right, I'm probably gonna smoke something. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm gonna put a brisket on or something for you. Yeah, 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 dude. You fucking make amazing barbecue. Oh, thank you, man. Oh, that's right, because you had it at the yeah, I had a little bit at the, right. at the camping event. That was yeah. fun. Yeah, I gotta. I haven't. Uh, I have not touched base with a lot of those guys. I gotta see what's going on there. In a lot yeah, of man. I kind of got bogged down with a lot of stuff, and I'm like, I just don't get on. It's hard to keep up with people. It is. It is, man. Which is this is why I, I like to have this excuse to pull people aside for a couple hours and talk to them. Yeah. Uh, but shit, it's hard to keep up with people. We're all just doing shit. Yeah. Well, in the last several months too, it's funny how, um, as much as I got the day job with digital media and, and sales in that regard, I also found myself in a way back. I don't want to say backing away from personal training, but I found a natural gravitation with more coaching with jujitsu. And so with me getting more involved in that, well, I put more time into like I had right. more time allocated there, so I kind of filled more time of coaching. Right, that makes sense. You just did that ten day, you know, and then the course ten, ten day with Oh I my mean, god, that's, that was awesome. That's a, a real commitment, right? I mean, yeah, you're now like an instructor with Grace. You might like officially, officially. Yes, yes, and that was uh, that was a really fun experience, and it was interesting too because you don't. Like, you know, just being able to, like, see that critical eye of someone who's been doing it for so long. Like, again, when you look out, like, someone who's, like, really, truly a master of something, when you see how they teach and when you understand fine-tuned details of, like, you know, how – what's their thought process to get here? Sometimes they will literally – like, what I found, Hoyler asking, like, hey, why do we do it this way? He's like, just do the move. 
And it wasn't like he was trying to blow me off. I realized very quickly it was a – if you haven't put in enough time and reps to understand how the move works in the first place, I can't really give you the philosophy on how we got here. Because by the time you've already done enough reps to really understand it, you've probably already answered the question. Mm-hmm. Like if you do something a hundred times, you're gonna be like, "Oh, wait, this works in a lot of these yeah. situations." But if you change one or two details, it's a different thing. Yeah. Well, I think also some of it from a guy like that mm-hmm. who's again such a master, you know, with his with his input or his perspective, it's it's like, "Hey, just trust what I'm saying here." Yeah. And then just do it. Like I I think where yeah. I'm at right now, like. Just trust what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Like I get that there's a lot of different variables and there's a lot right. of what ifs, and you want to know the whys, but just trust that I'm, what I'm telling you is right. Mm-hmm. Do this, <clears throat> and then to your point, like I don't know if it was all in air or off air. You were saying like learn this fundamental. I think that's Deja trying to get in, <laughs> and uh, and then you can add your own spice and pepper. Exactly, right? that's so, exactly right. Yeah, right? it was off so. air, and uh, I I found that even with like fitness, where like you know you get somebody who's on a new program of like, hey, we're gonna do these nutrition things, or we're gonna do these lifting programs, and we're gonna have you do this kind of cardio. Yeah. Well, why do I do this? Hey, listen, like, you'd spend a lot of time not doing this, okay? If you're going to trust the process, you gotta trust the process. You gotta you gotta trust that the way of thinking that got you here is not what's gonna take you there. Right. And so if if you came to this point. You realize that that doesn't work. So why would you fight to continue that same right. process, that same pattern? And that was the one thing that fundamentally with like uh, doing Amazing 12 or personal training in any case, or even in jiu-jitsu when you get guys that like, you know, hey, I'm trying to figure out a move from this position. Okay, well, why would you do that? Mm. Well, I don't know. I feel like it's there. Okay, well, do you feel it? Do you want it to be there or is it actually there? Yeah. Because then like, you know, I've had people ask like, hey, can I do this leg lock from here? And I look at their belt and I go, well, that belt is white. So, no, you can't do this here because that's going to heel hook the shit out of someone. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, when can I? Well, first off, take the gi off. And then like you can do heel hook whatever you want. Mm -hmm. Because no gi rules are way different. But like in the gi, it's just not fair. There's too much friction in the fabric. You can't roll out the way you normally would. But, you know, also if you want to compete, illegal. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, are the are the dojo police going to storm me here? Probably not. We might tap and be like, hey, don't be a dick. Yeah. But, you know, that's also because we, a lot of us have jobs we have to get to on Tuesday. Right. So you can't blow my knee out on a Monday. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> you know, dude. Or, or my shoulder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. You know, I always, always kind of go back and forth sometimes with my thinking on uh, what people should and shouldn't do in their training. You know, yeah. there's always the philosophy of do you let – is everything on board at always you just train it so that way you learn it um i mean i, I yeah i'm not into heel hooks to your point with the gi on I, too much friction yeah there. i know what you're getting at though but the question is like all right well do you allow certain techniques as a white belt because here's the thing sometimes it's not whether or not it's safe it's just whether or not the person is safe to, to do it i was gonna say it's like a case-by-case case basis yes it's very much i actually and and I get I swear if you ask me this like you know after I've been a black belt for ten years or twenty years my answer like I'll look back on this and be like, oh, yes, I, I'm, and yeah. maybe I'm not I don't know, but right now where I stand is it's not so much the belt color it's the maturity of the individual right because there are some people that just are so spastic they don't know how to calm down right and then there are the people that are so calm they don't know how to tighten up and so there's a little bit of a there's an ebb and a flow where like if they are able to get into a position and hold it do you let a set of rules that they may or may not ever compete under dictate how good of a grappler they can be and i don't necessarily think that you should but if you plan on competing you do need to train within the rules of the 
organization or the body that you want to compete under. So at that point, it's like, well, do you train habits that are going to lead to an eventual disqualification or put you in a compromised position where you can't do that at this level because now it does matter. Right. So it's like, do you build it up now? Or, you know, I, I go back and forth on that. And that's why I'm like, I think people should just get a little bit of everything. Yeah. But you got to take it slow. You got to, and again, you got to be patient with it. So yeah. I think that's where, you know, a lot of us just associate, and it is a, a stereotype in a way. White belts are, you know, hey, you don't really know much. Your job is to learn. Your job is to just digest information. Your job is to ask questions. Your job is to just l- trust the process and get to that next level. And then when you get to the blue belt, it's like, all right, now they've earned a little maturity, right? You you can visibly see just with the belt, but you also see what they're doing with other people, how they interact. And I would argue most blue belts are not nearly as spastic and, and crazy as they were when they're white belts. At least, God, I hope so. <laughs> And then my purple belt and brown belt, obviously, there's a little bit more maturity there. And, you know, when I get to the next level, I'll be able to speak on that. But from from what I've seen so far, it's like I don't think it's – I really don't think it's the belt level dictating it. I think there is just a innate maturity. But I think the belt level does also give you a visual representation of how many years and reps of experience you've put in to say, yeah, you your your words carry a little more weight than the guy that just showed up. Like it's it would be no different than being a CEO of a corporate. Like if I started a Tesla tomorrow, do you think Elon Musk is going to take my advice on what they should do with the new Roadster that's still not on the market? Like, hey man, I think I know how we can get this thing to market. Yeah, you're the intern. You just got here. Like you don't you didn't even get my coffee order right. How are you going to help me with this? Right. Versus the CFO who's been there for 12 years going. I got a crazy idea. Go for it, Bob. Like yeah. <laughs> so, it it just it it does matter. Um. But yeah, you know, I don't like the idea of letting rules dictate how someone develops. Yeah, you know, to a, to a point. Yeah, it's just the thing with. I feel like most people, almost everybody, goes through the same cycle. Yeah, almost all white belts are spazzes. Oh yeah, for one reason or another, it's it's training the mind to look at jujitsu differently. And this is something I'm just I've been realizing and thinking about more and more as of late. Where whenever I roll with a lot of, you know, white or blue belts. Mm-hmm. They're always really worried about what I'm going to do. Yeah. You know, I'm in their head and they're like, Oh my God, is he what is he seeing? What is he setting up? And you just you just build this whole story in your head about this shit that I'm doing that I'm not doing. Yeah. And I was talking to these guys, I'm like, All right, listen, whenever I'm rolling with you, if I'm on bottom, I'm probably only trying to either sweep you. <laughs> if you do something really bad or something, yeah, maybe I'll put you in a submission or something. But I'm pretty much just trying to sweep you or I'm not going to let you pass my guard. I'm just yeah. trying to maintain my guard. That's it. Yeah. If I'm on top, if I've swept you on top, all I'm really trying to do is just pass your guard. Yeah. Half the time, I'm not even searching for submission for you. I'm just passing your guard and then maintaining positions, putting you in uncomfortable spots through That's maintaining the position. And then I, so you're, don't overthink it is what I'm telling them. Like, yeah. that, that's all I'm doing. You think I'm doing a million things? Like, that's it. So whenever, as I'm, as I'm explaining this to this, to these guys and as I'm thinking about it, it's kind of shifting the way I'm looking at jujitsu in that I, I'm wondering, because you always hear position before submission, yeah. but we all get into jujitsu for the submission part. Sure. As a white belt. That's like the KO. A, yeah, right? dude. As a white belt, it feels good. You're searching for the win. You're searching for the submission, which is yeah. why people get hurt, right? You're always trying to force that, shit. I agree. 100%. You want that win, right? When you're a spaz and you're trying to do things, you hurt people because mm-hmm. you're trying to get the win. So it's weird mm-hmm. because it's how do you get somebody 
to shift their thought process from the win and the submission because that's why we all get into jujitsu is mm -hmm. for that submission because that's what it's known for. How do you how do you shift them to to understand that the position really is the most important and and yeah. by owning that fucking position, you're gonna open up every submission. You know what I'm saying? I actually going back to the Hoyler workshop. It was interesting whenever he would describe certain submissions. He would go, "Okay, let's elaborate this position here." And it was very. And I don't know if that was just a, um, you know, just like a, English as a second language. Like everything is. Let's look at this position. Let's look at this position. But it does like when you hear because I've heard other Brazilians do that too. It is interesting when you look at it like, okay, it is the position. Like the submission is its own position in and of itself. Yeah. You know, there are like even fine. Like let's say you have a, like a, what they call that spiderweb position in Tenth Planet where you got the leg hooked and you have an arm bar locked in, mm -hmm. but they have their hands together. Okay, well that is a position. You're this close to this mission, but you're like ninety five percent of the way. You got five percent, you can still screw up, mm -hmm. and it can be a big bomb too. Yeah. So how do so, we finish this? Yeah. So how do you go from ninety five to ninety six, and then get the other four percent after that to get the, you know, that's mm -hmm. that's the interesting part of the game. But you're right. I mean, so many spazzes they just focus on. I gotta get this. I gotta get yeah. this, and like you miss fifteen other opportunities. Yeah. Well, if you control the position, the finish will come, and you can yeah. and you can take your time. Yeah. Right, the when you when you're so worried about the finish, and then you you create space or you fall off yeah. or you, yeah, you'll 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 allow space for the person to to escape. Mm -hmm. what, what say it is that spiderweb position? Now they just got their elbow past the midline, and now you just lost yeah. it because you're so focused on the finish. You weren't focused on actually owning and controlling this position. Yeah, I I will say. Jiu-Jitsu helped me a lot with sales too because like it's the, they're both very unique in the sense of you will always lose more than you win. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, how many times have you been tapped out in the mats over the years? A lot. Yeah, and but and but you remember when you win because it happens so few far between. <laughs> like that's kind of the rarity. You might remember, man, that guy tapped me with something really cool. Yeah. Well, in the beginning, it was that for sure, right? Yeah. And then as you go on, it kind of shifts. Yeah, it does shift a lot. But I mean, still, like if you think of like the overall win loss record. You put a lot of L's up before you start putting any W's. Yeah. And then even even then, uh, you kind of shift to like, okay, I'm not going to get my guard passed today. Yeah. And you might get that happening like three times instead of ten, but you got seven wins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, once you get to a higher level, a lot whatever, of a yeah. lot of the wins, it's not the submissions. Exactly. Right? You're not looking for this. It's, oh, I had a good day of rolling, and I'm yeah. not counting how many submissions I got. You know, I, it's, I used to count it with, like, upper belts. Like, it was like a – I would almost look at the clock and be like, all right, we got five minutes. I want to see how long – I know what this guy's going to do. I want to see how I can stop this. Yeah. And I want to see how I can negate that game for as long as I can. Yeah. And so, like you said, getting in the position of holding it, mine was keeping him in the state of, like, I don't – I don't know. It's awkward. I don't know what else to do. Mm -hmm. If I can get you into that state, that was a win for me. Yeah. And then I would probably get swept and, and submitted, whatever. But it's yeah. like, okay, I did that for four minutes today. Yeah. Last week was three. Yeah. It's like <laughs> I'm going against a really good dude. It's like, all right, well, did they pass my guard today? Yes. Or if it's a guy who's for sure going to pass my guard, to your, was it four minutes or was it three minutes until he passed my guard today? It's those incremental wins I think people often like forget. Like there was a, a couple weeks ago we had this kid who uh, – he wanted to work, and I'm trying to remember the position exactly, but he it was like, if you think of like the knee shield, for like the half guard knee shield, right? Mm -hmm. He wanted to do a straight ankle lock on the top leg. And I'm like, okay, well, there's not really a comfortable way to get there without reaping the knee because you basically have to fall and let the top leg be on top or the, let, the, let the attacked leg be on top. Mm -hmm. Well, by most metrics, you'd have to reap the knee in order to get that. And so he's like, but I feel like there's a way to get there. And that's why I'm like, I don't. Your knee shielding? 
and he wants to attack that knee shield. He wants leg. to hit the shielded leg. Yeah, not the leg on bottom that's hooking on the half guard, but the shield. Yeah. As, he, like, as, as a guy on top. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. You can do that. You could do that, but again, you'd have to like fall. Eventually, you'd have to fall um, to the side where the top leg. Yeah, because your knee. Say, let's say you're knee shielding me here, right? I'd uh-huh. come over the top and then I'd fall down. Yeah. And yeah. you have to. Yeah, you just have to make sure you put that heel on the hip as opposed to coming across and reaping. Well, the thing is, like, if it if it's on top though, it would reap. Because it created that downward pressure on the knee. So you have to get it to the other side for the straight ankle lock. Now, if you're a brown belt, you can just reach back and toe hold him. You don't have to care. Mm-hmm. But it's like in the gi, you can't do this. But if it's no gi, well, now the rules change a little bit because, you know, you, you got a heel hook right there. Yeah, because you're saying because technically that position, right, because that leg is on top. Yes. You can't do that like an IBJJ. I don't think you can. I'm, pr- I'm, I'm, I'm like 90% confident you can't. No, because is that a reap, though? Yeah, I think it would be a reap. Is, is the position what makes it a reap? Because I thought what makes it a reap is if your leg came across and it, over. Well, to, to lock it in the way now he you was asking. Now, you can't finish it in that point, right? You would have to come back to the other side. But you could still put it in there and it not be illegal, right? Because I think if you you're could not start it, but if the, you start getting that leg to come over and you start the, the squeeze, I believe that's where the reap happens. Well, if so, I come over and I put my heel in, in the hip. Right, because yeah. a reap is whenever I cross the hip line. I think it's. I think the reap is technically whatever makes the knee buckle in. At least that's my understanding of it. I I, I have to double check that. Yeah. But I guess where I'm going with this is like the whole time he's describing this to me, my answer was, if you can attack the leg there, why don't you just clear the knee shield and just pass the guard? Yeah. Why? You, yeah. You know, you're you're, and I'm like, I sit there, I'm listening to him for like a good five ten minutes. I'm like, I hear what you're saying, bud, but. I feel like you're you're adding five steps to something that we solved in two. Yeah. And I, so there's, now there's seven steps on the board when you had two. Why are we adding all this? Again, that's too much salt and spice. Yeah. Why are we doing this? And so it was just, oh, I don't know, I just feel it's there. I said, okay, do you feel it's there because you want it to be there, or have you seen this done? And once I realized he'd never seen it done, he was just trying to reinvent the wheel. I'm like, okay, go back and trust the process because if you learn how to pa- – because the thing I brought up to him was like, okay, do it to me. And we drilled it a few times, and I kept coming up. Two points. Right. And now it's a sweep. And now, so, yeah. And so now it's not only a sweep. Now you're in a really shitty single leg X <laughs> entanglement. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to pass. Right. And so when I started dissecting this to him, he just wasn't like I – mean, and I could tell he was getting frustrated. I was too a little bit too. But it was like the answer is you just – you haven't had enough of a process to trust in – to start coming back and reinventing the wheel. You just got here, man. Trust it and just go with He's just searching for the submission. Yeah. And again but again he was looking for the submission, not realizing what position he's in. Yeah, and the ultimate objective there should be to pass the guard. Yes. And I'm like if you can clear the shield, done. And if you can't, just back up. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it's just the excitement <laughs> of trying to learn it all. Yes. I had a guy, um uh, I'm teaching these this these small groups right now and, and he he messaged me and sent me he sent me a a, a video of a guy finishing wrist locks. This, this <laughs> and he asked me if we could teach it. I'm like, man, I don't have any intention teaching that. And he's yeah. like, he's like, oh well, not for us to like use on each other. Or dr- like, <laughs> well, then why would we do? <laughs> like we don't. I don't have any intention. Uh, like there's a lot. Uh, 
if that's the last five percent of jujitsu, like, if, <laughs> did you ever see ang- the memes where after Danaher had that thing on Joe Rogan? Why would you ignore fifty percent of the human body? Yeah, and then everyone had those memes with wrist locks. Why would you ignore point five percent of the human body? Right. I thought well, it was, yeah, it just it, reminded me of that. This guy who's finishing wrist locks in this video, I'm seeing. Okay, well, he put a guy in a Kimura position. He put a guy in this. Like, you need to understand all these other fundamental. There's so much more jujitsu that's important and useful that you have to learn. Mm-hmm. Before you even think about wrist locks, yeah, and like that's the plus and minus of YouTube, dude. That if that is for real, I remember uh, there was a dude that was like, "Hey, I saw this video. Uh, this guy had this really unique grip, and he doesn't grip like the Bravo choke the way you do. And like, I'm just curious why." And I'm like, I don't know. Did the guy have a black belt? Because automatically, I'd yield to whatever he does. Like, I'm not there. He probably has some insight. And then I come to find out he was talking about Jean-Jacques Machado. I'm like, well, first off, the dude doesn't have a full hand on one he's side. He's missing three fingers. Yeah, he's missing three hand or three fingers on one side. So, of course, he's going to grip it different. Yeah. So, let's start with that fundamental fact. <laughs> yeah, and there's just a lot of fluctuation in jiu-jitsu. There's no hey. one right way to do these things. Yeah. I, I love those things. Well, first off, he doesn't have a hand. Yeah, that's a big one. <laughs> that would explain the grip issue. Now, the rest of it, I mean, it's virtually the same. Yeah. But past that, yeah, that's why. Yeah, that's a big one. I, I love the fact that YouTube University has blown up so much with that because it's like I think it does it does advance the game in the sense of like you'll see some a lot of legit positions out there and a lot of legit concepts especially from like BJJ Finax all these high level guys are going there and putting out basically putting their game out yeah um, and I've noticed I feel like more and more you're seeing people put out what they legit do in tournaments they're not doing like the flashy seminar stuff that yes. only works in seminars it's like this is what I do and you can see footage of them hitting that same sweep four, five, ten, twelve times. Mm-hmm. And like, this is how I do this. And this is why I base my reactions. This is my system on once I get to this position. Yeah. Okay, cool. But at the same time, you get a lot of the Bullshito guys that come out of the woodworks and they're like, oh, here's a wrist lock that'll fend off like 14 ninjas. And uh, those those it's like, guys. come on, man. Yeah, watch It's the Dim Moxilla thing. What is that? The the death touch that John Claude Van Damme had in Kickboxer. Fuck I, no, I feel it's like. Not. <laughs> no I, I love it. Nope. Nope. No, cares. Some people do. Did, did you ever see? This is years and years ago. Did you ever see the one guy who was supposed to be like the expert in this technique? He went to a jujitsu academy in Chicago, and it just so happened it was Carlson Gracie's academy. Shit, be him, didn't he? No, the guy that he tried to test it out on was Stefan Bonner. Yeah. And Stefan is clearly in the thing going, "Why is this guy touching me?" <laughs> like he just <laughs> has to look like. Why That's funny. I it? forgot Stefan Bonner's from Chicago, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He, again, Carlson Black Belt. God damn. And that was Carlson, not Junior. That was the OG. Yeah. He has a huge <laughs> association. He really does. I love the stories of some of those old Gracies, too. Carlson was one of those dudes I always wish I would have met him. Yeah. Because he seemed like such a, like a hilarious dude. I, I heard this story, and I don't remember who I heard it from, but it was like, you know, you have like the self-defense curriculum. Like, oh, in the book, whenever the guy grips your colored hair, and Carlson just... Just smacked him. What the hell was that for? (laughs) What? He grabs me. I punch him. (laughs) Is that what he did? Yeah, he just just smacked the dude right between the forehead. He goes, what? Like, this is it. And everyone's like, why would you hit him? He's like, you signed the waiver, right? Yeah, well, old school (laughs) jiu-jitsu, a lot of strikes were were incorporated. That's the thing. People forget about that. Yeah, It's not all finesse, and the the Aikido aspects of it are not always there. Like, when shit gets real, yeah, you got elbows, you got fists, you got knees. Yeah, yeah. Get out of Dodge. Get safe. There's strikes that are involved for sure. Yes. That's a lot. That's the one of the big things that I took away from uh, Henry Akins because he's really yeah. old school, right? It's, it's that whole Valley Tudo really approach. Mm-hmm. It's all about fighting as well. So he he talks yeah. about strikes and different things. And it's an important thing to keep in mind because that's a big why behind a lot of the things. Yeah. Right? It's like, I'm not going to let, I'm going to control someone's arm 
if they're trying to come over for a punch, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, that's why if I'm overhooking here, I can then block this arm or control posture. Like, there's reasons why you do these things, even from a self-defense standpoint, from just uh-huh. blocking strikes, because strikes are a part of the spectrum. I think people get so f- fundamentally fixated on the idea that self-defense and MMA and gi and no gi are all different styles, and they have different approaches for sure. Yeah. But at the core, like, you know, if you watch guys, like, when they get, like, you know, look at judoka. Right. Yeah. When they grip the gi, as they're grip fighting, fundamentally, it's no different than if, like, a guy grabbed your collar and you don't pop it off and back him up. Yeah. You know, you don't always have to throw a strike. You can, you yeah. can get a little distance and then kind of gauge what's next. Yeah. And the concepts are there. Like, I mean, if you look at, like, even, like, the wrist grabs and, like, how to get off, uh, get away from that stuff, grab the sleeve. It's the same mechanic. Right. And so it's very interesting. People are like, oh, this doesn't work. That's literally all you're doing. You just have points and time limits now instead of like, well, not. Yeah. You know, and, and it's like, yeah, the approach changes because there are rules. You can't elbow a dude in a tournament. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, not not blatantly. I not mean, people, blatantly. It happens. Yeah, when you start adding like sport and rules to it, as far as you start looking sport jujitsu, I think that changes certain things. It opens up possibilities that maybe yeah. you wouldn't do in certain contexts, but it's still all jujitsu. It is, and that's that's the thing. I love. I've literally gotten to a point now. I'm just absolutely in love with all aspects of it. Yeah. Like I love. I need to get more nogi stuff going because I am terrible at it. Um, but it's also I don't train a whole lot of nogi because most time like there's only a couple nights I really have opportunities to go do it. Yeah. And like on those nights, like I've kind of allocated that to family time. So yeah. For me to do nogi, I'd have to like I don't want to say go to a different school or do it. I could do it at my school. It's just I have to I have to move things and allocate that time differently. Yeah. Um. Which means I have to get up at like 7 a.m. and roll, which I don't wake up early, bitch. I mean, I need to. Right now, I need to get my shoulder healthy. That's the that's the first. That's part. number one. Yeah, that's number one. And that's incentive to get my ass back on that rower. Take care of yourself, Mike. I got to, man. And again, this is like the first injury I've had. Like the, I would say nasty injury, but really the first injury I've had in like a couple years. So like I've had like little neck sprains and, and issues here and there, but as far as like injury, injury. This this was pretty gnarly. This was a fluke. You think it's torn? I don't think it's torn. Um, I'm I. It happened on Monday, so starting like I figure tomorrow will be a week. I'm gonna kind of. I mean, I've been doing a little like a lot of like mobility work, stretching, rehab, lacrosse yeah. ball. The massage gun has been a really big help too. Um, and so I'm gonna keep up with that and see how it is at the end of this next week. And if it doesn't seem significantly better to where I can start doing really light range of motion loading of any kind i'll probably go get like some imaging done and probably start scheduling some stuff for the pt yeah um just because at that point it's like look if it if there is some tear reaction in there let it heal up and if i need surgery like i'm gonna be really pissed but i don't i've heard so many people having shoulder issues and not getting surgery just sometimes they just heal just take the time yeah yeah Yeah, yeah, for sure and so if if i can get to that point then great yeah i I hope it works out me too i don't know who do you know has stem cells (laughs) <laughs> you have to go to the blue tail. Blue tail? Yeah, yeah. I think, but they do it where they take the stem cells from you. They they uh, they take it from your hip. Yeah. Okay. And then they they centrifuge it and pull out the stem cells. So it's like it's a plus and minus, right? Because it's your stem cells, so you, they should take. But mm-hmm. they're also your stem cells. So whatever age you are, they're older stem cells. You know what I'm saying? Oh, so that's that useful, weird. But so uh, you remember that guy Sam Ridgeway? Yeah, he talked a lot about was it the telomeres on a cell that like kind of like the longer they are, the younger you are, or something like that. Um, simply, yeah, that's the idea. I don't know if it's like because I was actually talking to um, Jacob Sher about that, and uh-huh. like that's how I believed it too. It's like the length indicates 
how long you live. Yeah. Um, I think it indicates the health of the telomere, but I don't know if that's a direct indicator of how long you will live, if that makes sense. So I've often wondered, like, if you were to do something where you kind of increase that longevity, because I've heard people where they can actually start to do, not by much, but you can increase the longevity of, of, of an individual and increase their telomere length with, like, different therapies, or I'm sure there's drugs out there that do stuff too. But it kind of makes me wonder with that same concept of the stem cells, if you apply that and then go do the stem cell therapy, would that be better? I don't know. Or am I just like talking on my head? Like that's one of those things where the bro science sounds like it checks out, but I'm sure there's a clinician school. What, what, so what would you apply before the stem cells? I don't, that's what I'm saying. Like I don't know like a lot about it. I've only talked to Sam in passing about it. Just like doing like NAD or something? Like an yeah, NAD drip or something? Maybe something like that. Like over time, with the, like if that increases the longevity of, of, of the yeah, telomere. Like, like the health of your cells. Would, yeah. yeah I, mean, I, would, I, I would assume if you had healthier cells then you would have healthier – Stem cells as well, yeah. right? I think it's 60. I'm just going to do all the drugs. I'm, I'm going to be stupid clean with everything up until then. Why six, 60? Why not sooner? It just seems like a fun number. How are you now? 40-something? I'm 37. <laughs> That's why I shaved the beard. Oh, I gained 11 years I thought back. you were like 43. No, no, I'm 37. I don't mean to like age you. That's fine. It's fine. I don't ever know how old anybody is anymore. I think once you hit like 35, just everybody's in a certain bracket of like 35 to 40. Yeah. yeah or 40, 43, I think is a good range. I don't ever fuck. I always, I feel, I feel, I feel bad now, Mike. No, no, I don't feel bad at all. It's funny. I was like, oh, fuck, you look like shit, bro. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I shaved. No, I just never know how anybody old, old anybody is, but, um, I had a fucking point. What was my point with that? I don't remember. Oh, why sixty? Oh yeah, why sixty? Yeah. I was I was gonna say like why not why not start start sooner? I think part of it is just like I've. Oh no, that's my point. I thought if if you're in your early forties, that's probably whenever I'll start. Is what I'm saying. Like in my yeah, early forties, so I, I was know. like, why Get, not start fucking now, bro? I don't know. Give it a couple years. I might change my opinion. Yeah, you're you're in your late thirties. Don't do it now. Yeah, right? I think it's one of those like I but one. I definitely want to sixties. I just I like the idea of like get it get as healthy as you can now. Yeah. And I think for some reason in my head like sixty was one of those ages. I'm like, ah, screw it. I just I figure by then I'll have grandkids. I'll retire or have have that idea of like, hey, this is yeah. how things are gonna go, and then I'm just gonna be like. Yoked grandpa. Uh, <laughs> well, I think your 40s is whenever your levels start dropping gradually every year. So oh, yeah. Yeah, so that's why I'm like early 40s, bro. <laughs> you know, I might be calling that guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mike, dude, we've been going for an hour or two and a half hours. Oh, has it been that long already? Yeah, yeah. Man, we did, we're good about that. We get going. I don't know. Time just fucking flies. Well, um, one of these times, we got to get like the two of us and let us both interview somebody. Like who? I don't know. Just throw somebody on the board and be like, hey, you want to come talk to this dude for a couple hours? Fuck like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> let's see. Dude, all right, man. I appreciate you. Um, Absolutely. All right, my dude. Bye, everybody. Bye. Hope you guys enjoyed that one. I know I did. Mike is a fucking awesome human. If you guys are getting value out of the conversation, do me a solid again. Just tell us a friend. Uh, just tell a friend. Bring us a friend. Help us grow the show. It really, really helps, and I can't do it without you. So that's all I have. Until next time, I'll be back again very soon with another conversation. You guys just keep being awesome humans in the meantime. I'll catch you later. Bye. Mwah.